Hello and welcome back to another episode of Story Science with DJ Finley. I am, of course, your hostess, DJ Finley, and I have brought back to the show Rain from South America. Yeah, hello. Um, yeah, of course, that's my main character trait, of course. <laughs> Where in South America? No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you travel around a lot, a little nomad. <laughs> yeah, um, I've done that, actually, yes. <laughs> I mean, to many places down here, for sure. Yes, and of course I brought Rain back because he is our, I guess I can't say resident expert, but he's our nomad expert on classic horror monsters, or at least horror monsters in general. <laughs> Somewhat, yes. And <laughs> we can say so, of course, yeah. <laughs> you're, next, you're, the, you're, you're the expert of the, of the episode. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just accept it. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so you might have noticed from the title of this episode, we're talking about the character of the mummy. And yes, you're going to hear a lot of discussion of the 2017 mummy movie with Tom Cruise. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like to project in advance because um, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a bad movie, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna strap in. Anyway, so mm-hmm. but I didn't just want to rip up the Tom Cruise movie because anyone who's following the show would know uh, my other co-host Essie and I reviewed that movie quite a while ago. And although now that I've actually finally seen the original Mummy, maybe I should review it again because I had not seen the Boris Karloff Mummy when I watched the Tom Cruise one. But uh, now I have seen it, so, you know, maybe I should, I don't know. But in this episode, I want to talk with Rain a lot about the character of the mummy in general, because it's it's kind of had an interesting history. Wouldn't you say it's uh, early mummies, I believe, were more romanticized in the earlier depictions of them? Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree, and also one of the reasons why I find the mummy such like an interesting concept is that it, it's way more ambiguous than many of the other popular monsters, because most of them are really tied to a certain story, like Frankenstein monster, mm-hmm. it's a story about the monster and its creator, they can hide and the internal struggle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the mummy, it's just, you can make basically anything in that sense. That... Yeah, it could be a sacrificed mummy, it could be a murdered mummy, it could it could be some poor fool that died and got mummified out in the elements. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, um, something that commonly happens in mountains and stuff, for example. Yeah, Yeah, especially where I live, there's a lot of mummified people who get found. <laughs> oh, that, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah, people don't realize, don't leave your car when you're stuck out in the middle of nowhere. It's easier to find a car than a person. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely true. So, but, you know... We're not here to talk about bad like, people's bad mistakes. We're here to talk about people's bad writing mistakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In terms of this this character type. And, okay, so I want to, one, one thing, I should probably make a little announcement. I'm going to make a show with Rain where, well, it's going to be on this show, so don't worry, it's not going to be anywhere else, where we talk about character types. Because a lot of people, I think, if you've followed my uh, episodes, I'm not a huge fan of the archetype. I think archetypes are great placeholders but I don't think they should completely dictate the character. I think they should be played with and, you know, yeah, yeah, new thing can be done with them, but I don't completely despise archetypes. I'm not a huge fan of them. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah. I believe that archetypes, uh, let's of course not get into the whole Jungian archetypes thing. That's mm-hmm. no, 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 that's not something from here. 
for now. But yeah. uh, I believe that archetypes are good, as you said, are good starting points. Mm-hmm. Are not something that you should encase your character in. Yeah, it kind of gives you a good starting place. And so with the mummy, uh, this is kind of a let's let's discuss the mummy. You know, let's talk about like this is kind of where the mummy came from. Like in early stories, the the mummy was originally mostly female. Yes. You know, who would fall in love with an archaeologist and is now I'm not entirely sure. So uh, mm-hmm. let's dive into it. And let's start with, um, I believe you had a question for me on yes, if I um, believe if I believe that mummies could be approached from a less romantic and more a, a existentialistic point of view. Yeah, yeah. Um, since the main of that, it's mummies are usually explored as characters in media, movies, uh, from an outsider's perspective, you know, they're usually antagonists. Mm-hmm. And at least um, from a personal, very pretentious point of view that I have, I think that <laughs> they could be a quite very interesting, like, protagonist in an existential fashion, in the sense that they are driven by a basically an unpo- un- unfulfilled desire that's basically mm-hmm. never going to be accomplished. And that's, but they still follow through with it. And I find that's beautiful in a way, you know, very existentialist. It's, mm-hmm. I think that it can be very interesting to explore a mummy in that way. I kind of think that mummies are very different from like vampires because they're very they're similar oh, yeah. to the fact that they are undead or living yeah. moving yeah, they're they, moving dead. I don't know what they are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're uh, undead is a good term, and they are both basically mortal. Uh huh. Because like to me, a mummy, mummies and vampires represent completely different things. Because to me, a mummy is more it's it more represents romance, nostalgia, and vengefulness. You know, it yeah. has a very clear goal in mind i suppose you could say more appealing because it's something like you mentioned that's more relatable and something you could explore in terms of like you know wanting to finish something you've started but you technically can't because the expiration date's basically passed like if it's romance yeah, the person no. you were in love with is gone you know and if it's revenge the person you want to get revenge on is gone and nostalgia you're longing for something that's no longer here yeah yeah your whole life happened already you are still here but anything that were you basically already happened it's Mm -hmm. done yeah yeah as you said i would say that on that sense like the biggest difference between vampires and mummies is that mummies are usually way more driven as you said they have goals they have desires meanwhile vampires are way more lavish they're like yeah i'm immortal i can do whatever i want kind of way yeah because like Like, i think vampires are a lot more like lustful because they 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 have more of a a selfish desire in terms of like, I got to eat people. I yeah, usually go yeah. after the most attractive people. I guess you're going to bite someone you'd want someone attractive. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe their blood tastes better. I wouldn't, I don't know. I'm not a vampire. I swear. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> are you sure? Mm, I have my doubts, but yeah, I think so. Mm. I don't know. Cause I, th- I think people who are overweight would taste better because they have more flavoring, wouldn't they? I, I, I guess it, it depends. I, I guess it depends how you like your steak. You know, I think that's a good approximation. That's a good argument, but yeah. So, well, also vampires have the the other difference, where it's like they're alive and interacting with the world, while the mummy just they go to sleep at one time period and then they wake up in a completely different time period. And it's like, this is like butcher a very popular, very famous quote. I don't think I'm in my time period anymore. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yes, but also on the topic of that is, uh, you know, this whole disconnection with modern society and stuff. Also, I think that's also an important difference to bring out once again between Mama and Empire, 
is that uh, the mummy's seclusion from society is usually non-wanted. Like, it's just like a consequence of them becoming a uh, mummy. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, vampires, for example, like Count Dracula in your typical movies and books, he's usually he usually secludes himself from the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the disconnect. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, the, the, the choice. There, yeah, yeah that, that's what I wanted to say. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can... <laughs> But he doesn't quite just, dis- you know, seclude himself from the world because he does go back. He has to go out to feed. Oh, he yeah. To eat, but, he has to eat people. Yeah. But I mean, not, not in the world in a sense, but I mean, in the sense of society, you know? Yeah. Like, like he, he doesn't he, really interact on it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, they are full of it. I'm not mm-hmm. part of it. Also, since, you know, we were, we were talking still a little bit on the origins of the mummy uh, before we went on this vampire tangent. At least personally, I like mummies as the monster, of course, but I've never been someone who's been deeply interested like in the topics of Egyptology or Egyptian mm-hmm. mummies in particular. So you have told me in some uh, <laughs> conversations that we had, when you grab, you were very, uh, very interested in that. So kind of like, you, what does your knowledge of Egyptian culture and stuff, how does that mix with the expectations that you have for mummies when they are presented to you in media? Okay, so I'm assuming we're just going to be talking, this is just Egyptian mummies. Right. Uh, yeah, at least in the right meeting, now. Yes. Yeah, right now. Yeah, right okay. now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my first one is this is kind of a funny question, but my first question whenever I hear about Egyptian mummies is is the mummy itself intact or is it one of those mummies that's missing body parts? Because a lot of mummies <laughs> that have been dug out are missing body parts. So I mean, it's usually an yeah, intact yeah. mummy, but it's always like the, oh, it's kind of like the King, King Tut's tomb thing where it's like, the intact mummies usually is, but I haven't really seen a lot of missing parts mummies. Uh, my other thing is I always ask, I always mm-hmm. go into a movie asking, what dynasty is this mummy from? Because their views on Egypt and which God was popular at the time and the culture would be vastly different from like Ramses to Seti to Tutankhamun to... to Nefertiti yeah. or Hepsepshut or even Cleopatra. Like, what what is the dynasty that this mummy is from? Because it also tells you like how many years it's been out of the loop, and kind of what to expect. Which form of Egyptian like uh, way of speaking or habits or things that you could include? Yeah, I, yeah, or Greatles. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, yeah, because I noticed that a lot of mummy movies don't. Like, I don't even remember. Like in the in the 2017 mummy, I can't recall when what time what dynasty Amunet's from. Uh I'm gonna be honest, I I can't recall, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I bet uh 60% that it's probably a fake one. I'm sure because yeah, because uh, also on the topic of that, you're asking from which dynasty does it come from in a lot of media and mummies, uh, at least ancient Egypt is saying as this very uh, uh, homogenous thing. Mm-hmm. While it really wasn't, it was a lot of different periods and stuff. From mm-hmm. what I'm, I, I, from what I know, which once again it, I'm talking from ignorance. It, it changed a lot. It changed a lot because, like, you had like the which god was the most revered god would change depending on who was in charge. I mean, you had um, Akhenaten who mm-hmm. completely rewrote the religion during his reign. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would, I mean, if the person died, like the if the person was one of the priests of the original pantheon of gods and they kind of clashed heads with Akhenaten and they're like no I am not changing my beliefs I'm sticking with my god I'm not worshiping your one god you know what's wrong with you 
you know, that would throw in some interesting conflict or some something where you have a polytheist priest going up against a monotheist king. There's an interesting, you know, yeah, thing yeah. to look no, at. And then, yeah, it's a definitely interesting clash for sure. Or yeah. you could do vice versa, where it's a monotheistic priest during the time when Tutankhamun's put on the throne, because that was bringing back the original pantheon. Because hmm. you know, uh, the original pantheon was restored with uh, Tutankhamun being put on the throne because he was a child, yeah. and he had uh, other people kind of calling the shots while he was growing up to take over. I mean, he died at like eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, he like yeah that. he he passed away very young. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I'm not in the band that Tutankhamun was murdered, but I do believe his wife was murdered. So I think she would have made a really interesting mummy. Mm. So no one's found her corpse yet yeah uh i believe that i don't know if there is any mummy that's you know probably inspired in a in an actual historical figure actually now that you bring that up yeah because i've noticed that because like they usually make up someone it's usually a character named amunet amunet's like the most popular egyptian insert name uh <laughs> my sister knows the actual name of tutankhamun's wife i'd have to google it all we know is that she was terrified of the wazir after her husband died and she sent mm-hmm. for a prince to come and marry her from another kingdom and the prince got killed and she sent for another prince and that guy got killed and the kingdom's like we are so not sending you another prince she had to marry the wazir and then she vanishes not long after that so i'm kind of That's... on the she was murdered vibe <clears throat> yeah i mean yeah i'm getting a mm-hmm. <laughs> yes uh it makes sense this race really yeah that seems to be the case <laughs> No, that's it's a very simplified version. I'm leaving out a ton of details, but like, oh no, uh, yeah, but you know. you know, for the sake of brevity, I think it's a good resume. You know, it's so like when I was listening to the 2017 mummy, they're talking about how angry she was. Like, just uh, she had a brother who was born, and that meant she couldn't have the throne. And I'm sitting there going, like, yeah, but that brother is going to have to marry you to have the throne, because that's how you become pharaoh: is you marry the right woman. Yeah, you don't just become pharaoh because you're a dude. You have to marry the right girl. So, you know, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I think that's an important detail that they skipped on that. They didn't Definitely. even bring up because they, they went off of <laughs> British royalty politics. And I'm like, yeah, it's a different country. There's different politics. Uh, I'm between either they were not aware of that because they probably didn't question uh, a proper Egyptologist <laughs> <laughs> or uh, they once again pull, uh, went the route of, yeah, the public is probably them to actually understand if we try to explain them something different mm-hmm. so yeah which is i feel that something that that movie uh sings a lot about <laughs> since a lot of that because yeah. i don't even know what the the mummy in in the 2017 this is one thing i think with the mummy is kind of a funny thing because mm-hmm. i've kind of noticed that the overall character of the mummy not any specific mummy but the overall character yeah, uh, yeah. has basically had a downgrade over the years as it's uh, represented in other films because it, it used to be this like like Boris Karloff for instance let's use him for an example yeah because it's a good film I finally seen it so yeah, it's good yes <laughs> good movie I I highly recommend it because Boris Boris Karloff is awesome first off yeah his performance is great yeah mm. I thoroughly recommend it yeah definitely he he's a very sophisticated very intelligent cunning person like the the mummy in a uh, Tom Cruise he doesn't stay in the uh, mummified style very long he he looks like boris karloff through most of the film and so to me it's like okay 
that, that's, that was an interesting thing that both the Tom Cruise and the Boris Karloff did where you don't have this wrapped up mummy thing. You have a, a person, which I think is very cool because it kind of plays into the whole resurrection thing yeah. of coming back from the, the grave and everything. But I've noticed that prior to the, and I haven't seen that many mummy movies, so I could be missing a couple of movies, but I know that prior to the 2017 movie, usually when the mummy is brought into a film, I'm not talking about the Brendan Fraser. I'm excluding the Brendan Fraser films right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's nothing more than a wrapped up person who chases you around trying to kill you for no real reason. Then I as a monster, it's kind of like zombified, I guess. It's a good way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, it's something that's kind of cannibalistic chasing the hero. And it's usually made very funny that way. And uh, even uh, Hotel Transylvania, like the mummy is still wrapped up in the bandages. Yeah. And so I kind of call that a degrade yeah, in, no, uh, in the character. Because mm-hmm. you go from yeah. a very intelligent person with a goal and a motive and a desire to a sort of zombified person, which is very hard to distinguish from the zombie, which is a completely different monster with different goals and different narrative holdings. Yeah, no, I thoroughly agree with that. I definitely feel like the mummy... Um, I just want to say that, yes, I've seen Hotel Transylvania. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that one of the biggest appeals of uh, mummies as characters is the fact that, as you say, it's the fact that they are one of the few monsters um, on the term of the undead who are truly resurrected. Mm-hmm. In the sense that they are back as functioning human beings. They work, mm-hmm. they have their goals, their desires, but mm-hmm. they essentially are look and work as any other person. Mm-hmm. But they just have all this ancient knowledge besides that. And they're not out to eat you, which is kind of yeah. a difference from yeah. those monsters. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, most of them, most of them, <laughs> most of them. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the mummy just like you know, most monsters out there to kill you, but it's usually for uh, for reasons way more different. It's usually because you're in the way, because like because the person who's mummified, yeah. I've noticed like they're just starting up where they left off. And yeah. the heroes are usually in their way. And so yeah. they want to take out the hero because the hero is between them and what they want. Mm-hmm. Not because they want to eat the hero's brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, or I want to defeat the hero because I'm evil and that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually, it's most of the time, at least previously before this uh, little downgrade that happened, the mom is very goal-driven, basically. Because Boris Karloff showed no animosity towards the heroes until they got in between him and the girl. Yeah, yeah. Then he went after them because they were they were in the way. They were a nuisance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are. Uh, it's like okay, I've been away for how many thousands years? Uh, how many thousand years? Mm-hmm. And now I have these two guys who are getting in the way of me meeting the the recognition of my wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course they're in my way. I'm gonna toss them to a side. Mm-hmm. Because they are in my way, not because it's fun or anything like that. No, I'm evil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. evil for uh, evil's sake. <laughs> yeah, uh, on the topic of being evil for evil's sake, mummies are more of an antagonist than a villain. Can you elaborate a bit on that? I've noticed that these two words slightly change depending on which writers you talk to. Because uh, mm-hmm. to me, an antagonist is someone who is opposite your protagonist. They're not necessarily mm-hmm. bad. You know, yeah, a bad yeah. person, but they they are they're hindering the protagonist basically. Uh, while a villain is actively trying to destroy something, or mainly the main character, mm. the protagonist or hero person. Yes, because the mummy is very goal driven and motivated. I think that puts them in a slightly more sympathetic route because if 
if what they were doing wasn't so destructful to someone, like in the Boris Karloff mummy, for instance. At first, he tries to resurrect his dead girlfriend, but then finds out her soul has been reincarnated. Yeah. Into uh, yeah, another person. You... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, who doesn't quite remember him. And he tries to jog her memory so that she'll fall in love with him again. That fails. So now he's like, okay, let's, I'm going to kill you so that your soul can go back. Or I don't quite remember if it was like he wanted her soul to go into the mummy's body or the mummy's. No, like, go, the, no I think he kind of wanted to like uh, kill her to mummify her. Okay. Um, make yeah, her but, uh, another mummy. I, I, I'm, I, I haven't seen it in a bit. So I'm I need to watch it. I, need, I haven't watched it recently. I watched another yeah. movie recently. But like, uh, but he. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into that. But we're getting there. We are getting there. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> get into that film but yeah like his his goal or his attempts to get to his goal go up in because you don't want this girl to get mummified for his mm-hmm. desires you know but you do feel bad for him because she was the pharaoh's daughter they couldn't be together she died he tried to bring her back he got mummified and he's been trying to be with her ever since that's kind of sad you know yeah. that, that's that's pretty sad that makes him kind of sympathetic but the fact that he's putting this girl in danger even if she is the reincarnated spirit of his girlfriend she is a new person now she's not yeah. the woman he loved she's in love yeah, with somebody else yeah exactly and this comes also with the theme of you know uh, as you mentioned previously nostalgia he's mm-hmm. not letting go of yeah my it's a of sort of past, my wife but, he, but what he had. basically yeah yeah basically my girlfriend is no longer here but he's still you know like holding himself to that memory mm-hmm. yeah to a, to a basically an expired goal. Yes, it's kind of yeah. how I see mummies. They're after yeah, yeah. something that's expired. Yeah, no, I, I think that's yeah. I think yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, a very a very well put. Uh, oh, how can I say this? I think it's a very a very good way to say it. You know, like just to uh, summarize mummies in a way. Mummy yeah, the mummy motivation. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the motivation. These mummies have to anything, but. Um, <laughs> Basically, yeah, that they are looking for something that's no longer achievable, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing, like, like when you're writing a mummy, a big thing to take into consideration, because I think they kind of played into that in the Tom Cruise one a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the problem was, at least for me, maybe you're different. Maybe you saw it differently. And if you did, please, you know, elaborate. Yes, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know what the mummy was about. Like, I did not know what her goal was. And so it was very hard for me to tell when she was going out of hand. Because when Boris Karloff was going out of hand, you could see it. He tries yeah. to resurrect the mummy, doesn't work. He tries to jog the one girl's memory, doesn't quite work. He wants to mummify this one girl. Isis zaps him with lightning, you know, so it's like, <laughs> spoilers, you know. So yeah, spoilers for a hundred year old movie. <laughs> pretty much, almost. Oh my goodness, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's almost, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. okay but yeah so you you see him going past the line of decent way of handling the situation <laughs> well yeah. the the mm-hmm. ominate mummy uh what what was she trying i couldn't tell when she was losing it because i didn't know what she was trying what her goal was yeah yeah no i i, I agree i think I, I think that also something that mummies Something that mummies are really good at is at escalation, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. they're really good at building this tension before they go completely unhinged. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, the mummy in the 20, uh, one from 2017, I feel that they just made her uh, immediately completely evil mm-hmm. and 
very unhinged mm-hmm. instead of like showing the escalation all the intellect that mummies are usually known for all the how can i say this the wit to say in a way the resourcefulness <laughs> i think i think a lot of it's like the humanity because like they are very ah. sympathetic yeah that's yeah exactly. it's also very important yeah you know because because you do feel bad because like when you see the the backflashes when boris karloff shows her this is what we this is what we were back in egypt you do feel kind of bad for him yeah, his whole world was lost, basically. What he wanted, his desires were gone, and now he has a chance. He is back. He has a chance to take what was, in his mind, rightfully his. Yeah. You know, it's, a second, it's one of those second chance at life things. Like, he's resurrected. He has a second chance. Yeah, re, literally. That's kind of like, again, yeah, as you said, I, I do agree. I haven't thought of it that much that uh, the mummies are basically like one of the most human monsters. Mm-hmm. In the sense that they are just a person. They have all the good and bad that that person has. Mm-hmm. More evil because, you know, they try to resurrect ancient people. But you, they're, you know. they're crossing the line. They stepped over yes. the line and walked past it. Like Yes, yes. <laughs> their goal is more important than everybody else around them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I think that, that was one thing because I, I couldn't empathize with Amina. Also, she wasn't really in the movie that well because Boris Karloff was interacting with the other characters on a normal character level. They all knew who he was. He was being very charming. It's Boris Karloff. Of course he's charming. You know? I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The man's charming is all get out. Like, you know, anyone, <laughs> anyone heard the Boris Karloff voice? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's good. He's good. Yes. But yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I like one of uh, my main issues with the movie from 2017, besides the fact that they were trying to make like uh, knockoff Avengers, but with Universal Monsters, is that this movie was a lot of um, style over substance. Like they were more focused on, yeah, we're gonna have Tom Cruise fall off a plane, have mm-hmm. this plane explode through, uh, see all the chairs flying, the people flying off, mm-hmm. and everything. And oh, Mr. Hyde is punching a wall instead of actually elaborating on the characters probably mm-hmm. because I, I think that one of the things that made the Boris Karloff movie so good is the great amount that uh, Ardeth Bay uh, Karloff, Karloff's character interacts with the protagonists with the quote-unquote quote heroes mm-hmm. in a sophisticated way like yeah I'm gonna kill you it's not like yeah. I'm evil and you're all going to bask in my evilness like he's intimidating it's Boris Karloff he's intimidating yeah, he's got this he, like, a great face. You know, the great no, yeah, he has, he has presence. That's yeah, a lot important. of good presence. Like he steals, yeah. the, he steals the camera. I mean, he really does. But and that's yeah. another thing. They they didn't let the. Uh, I thought the actress was fine. I didn't have a problem with the actress herself. Oh no, yeah, no, I I honestly can't forget her name, but I've seen her in other movies, and I think that she could have pulled off the presence very, very well, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that's why they really why gave I her something to work with. Yeah, they gave her something to work with, issue. like to to interact with them and to really like build up a relationship between her and the other characters and then have her like losing it and escalating the, the situation, as you said, uh, more and more. And watching yeah. her kind of like go crazy because she's in a world that's not hers. She doesn't entirely know. She, she knows enough about how it works that she can fit in. But, you know, there's what she knows from the past bashing into the present yeah, because yeah. we don't know what she wants and we don't know you know, is, is this escalating out of control or not? Because everything was just so dark and gritty. It was hilarious. But <laughs> yeah. it was like... Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> she wasn't killing everyone the first part because 
I don't remember. Okay, this is where I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't remember mm-hmm. Boris Karloff's character killing people while he was in Egypt. Wasn't his crime he was trying to bring back his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that the crime? In, yeah, I think back in Egypt, I think he was kind of like he was mummified because necromancy. I think that's kind of like his crime, like sacrilege or something. Like, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I think sacrilege is a word they use in the movie. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't kill anyone in Egypt. His girlfriend died from natural causes. She was sick or something. And she's also the pharaoh's daughter, so they couldn't be together anyways. And he was a priest. And so you had the Romeo and Juliet kind of love affair going on. And then she dies of natural causes. And then he tries to bring her back. He gets mummified for his crime of sacrilege. And he has no plan to kill anyone when he comes back. His whole goal is to bring back his girlfriend. But in order to do so, that includes harming the girl she has reincarnated into. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, uh, that. Uh, for example, that that's a story is quite solid. It's straightforward. We, we understand where yeah. he's coming from. Yeah, we, we understand why he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think that, I mean, I, I am, as probably stated in the previous time I was here, I'm a big, uh, very big fan of Jack and Hyde. And I think what, <laughs> and as much as I like seeing that story portrayed anywhere, even like in a pizza box, whatever, I'd be happy. I think that uh, introducing uh, Dr. Jekyll as a character, you know, they Mummy in 2017 was a really big misfire, at least from the way that he was presented, because he immediately was like, oh yeah, the mummy is uh, immediately evil, let's shame her and fill her with mercury. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like always this like antagonism against the mummy. There was no mm-hmm. like mysteriousness, no presence uh, and stuff like that. It was straightforward, but in a bad sense, like oversimplified in a way. I think oversimplified is a good way to say it because I can't think of the right words to say it. It was more, they didn't have enough to work with. Yes. Yeah. Because they spent most of the movie repeating the same information over and over and over and over again. They don't have them trying to see, can we bring the mummy to our side? You don't have the Egyptologist being like, what can I learn about Egypt from the mummy? Trying to gain the mummy's trust. You don't have whatever you could do between Tom Cruise and the mummy. And again, there's that whole, what's the mummy's motivation? Because the mummy, I think, is very well defined by the motivation, which is going back to the wife of Tutankhamun, you know, yeah. like uh, a murdered queen, you know, who lived in fear yeah. of her life and then possibly murdered, her corpse gets discovered. She would have an interesting motivation because, like, she would be worried about her kingdom, which has now been taken over by a government she doesn't know. You know, what does mm. she do now? She's she's basically a foreigner in a new land. Yeah. Who do I trust? Sort of a, a thing. And also is the wazir. Okay. I hate saying the wazir's name because it's such a stupid name. I think it's stupid. His name is I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember, you told me about this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his name's I. I think it's the dumbest Egyptian name I've ever heard in my entire life. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Egyptian names. But dude, you, I'm sorry. You have the dumbest name. Uh, well, listen, as an English speaker, it sounds really stupid to me. <laughs> but uh, if like you could have easily brought I back as a as a mummy, and you could yeah. have had a, an interesting clash between those two. Yeah, yeah. I'm still trying to get over the ending because you know I I, I honestly can't remember if, for example, the mummy um, if she survived actually turning Tom Cruise's character into a girl. I thought. He sucked out all of... He sucked... Okay, so she was sucking people's essence or something throughout the whole film. And then he sucked out hers. 
So she went back into a mummified state and then they poured mercury on her. Yes. Because I think I got that right. I'm not sure. No, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. And then we see Tom Cruise wandering the desert with his three irises in his eyes. Yeah, and he's causing sandstorms, which I think is very inconsiderate. I don't care if you're possessed by the god set. Sandstorms, seriously, <laughs> that's super inconsiderate. The god not yeah. for those. Yeah, they, they don't they need are, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're really, really inconvenient. So don't. Yeah, like that. That's a jerky move. That does not make me like you at all. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I really feel like that movie was an absolutely wasted opportunity. Like, I, I, I was really hyped actually to go and see that movie. I was like, oh, nice. They're gonna reference all the monsters I like and stuff, and I go and watch <laughs> it. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm seeing it for free. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just glad I got to support my local uh, movie rental place. I'm like, at least the money went to a good cause. Oh, yeah. The money went to a good cause. (laughs) Yes. uh, Maybe the spirits wanted me to uh, see that movie and eventually some years later uh, trash on it. Because uh, (laughs) I won those tickets in a raffle, actually. So that's how I ended up watching it. Yeah, I I didn't steal the movie or pirate it. I got the... (laughs) Um, I got the tickets in a raffle and I went with my girlfriend at the time and we both were very disappointed. <laughs> the universe was like, this guy's going to have a ton of fun ratting on this movie. We got to get him some free tickets. <laughs> yeah, just, just you wait, man. Just you wait. You'll thank us later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really will. But yeah, so that, that's one of the reasons I don't like the, the mummy. Out of, the, out of all the monsters, I don't mm. really like the mummy in a villainistic yeah. role yeah. because the mummy is more okay, vill- villains are selfish so this is going to sound really stupid uh oh, but like so. okay um <laughs> because the mummy's whole goal it's a very selfish desire it's whatever they couldn't get yes. which villains are very known for having selfish desires but the thing is is that well most vi- most villains have a bigger end goal than just own personal wants like to me most villains work better like uh sauron for instance he wants to rule middle earth yeah he actually succeeded a couple of times and then he got destroyed by a hobbit so you know it's like <laughs> jakes embarrassing yes. way embarrassing way to go out uh <laughs> but yeah so it's like they usually want something really big or a threat to a bunch of people while the mummy is only a threat to the immediate people associated with the mummy and i think it's one of the reasons why jekyll and hyde doesn't really fit is because you first need to within this movie if you want jekyll and hyde to fit well, at least Jekyll. Let's not let's forget about Hyde for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least Jekyll. Uh, if you establish that Jekyll is running some sort of an organization, which they kind of did. Yeah. No. Yeah. I thought monsters. That was cool. yeah. I, I like that idea. Like you mentioned, it kind of uh, referenced uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think you mentioned that in the last podcast, or while we were talking. But you you, yeah, you referenced uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. Because then it, it gives him a reason to be interested in the mummy. My question is, why that particular mummy? Why was he the person who financed uh, a lot of the the? Because remember, he's uh, he goes and they had this whole thing with the English knights or whatever it is, Knights Templar, or something that I hated uh-huh. the most. I hated that more oh. than having Jekyll in there. Uh, oh the yeah, no, that was bad. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Uh, oh, also, the movie was set in England, not Egypt. I got it. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I don't like that, but you know, this way is fully, you know, due to colonialism. Uh, there, most of 
a lot of you know Egyptian treasuries in the UK. Well, I didn't, I didn't mind it stolen out, but like my thing was, I wanted a better reason for it being taken out that we understood. Oh yeah, no, yeah, I think it would have been better explained than uh, oh yeah, we have this airport. Because if you I gave Hyde the motivation, uh, Hyde, sorry, Jekyll a motivation yeah. to have the mummy brought to <coughs> England, like you actually gave him a reason. Like, okay, I've heard of this mummy. Like, I mean, okay, think about it. If you, if you have the mummy, she gets, she's been resurrected. She's She looks like a person now. He's tracked her down and found her, and he gives her a ticket to come to England. And she's kind of in this new world, and so she accepts his invitation and goes to England. I think that would have worked a little bit better because, one, it's not exactly stealing. Yeah. She goes to England of her own free will. You have someone else rob the grave and wake her up. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, those people could have died from mysterious causes. We're gonna get into mummy curses, so hold on, yeah. we'll get there. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I think it would have worked better if you had some negotiations between her and Jekyll. Yeah, yeah. To build up uh, who Jekyll is, what is he doing, what is his end goal, and not bring up Hyde. Yeah, yeah. Because um, one of the big things uh, with Jekyll is that one of the biggest issues with Jekyll and Hyde. I think also on its on this movie is mm-hmm. that there are a lot of focus on yeah it's Jekyll and Hyde and Hyde is kind of like the mo- most important thing that everyone is kind of mm-hmm. thinking of, but a lot of people forget that who is Jekyll? Jekyll is a scientist. He's the guy who actually created the potion. He's an alchemist. Mm-hmm. Why would he want to talk with a mummy? There are so many reasons of why, and like I think that this I'm saying this because I'm a pretentious. Damas, <laughs> but uh, I believe that a more accurate Jekyll would have actually had a proper introduction with the mummy or would have gone there by himself and be like, That'd yeah, be cool. Jekyll I... in Egypt talking to the mummy, that would be cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he goes there and he's like, Okay, can how hello. can I do this? Can I use my alchemy to fix this in any way? And hello, yeah, hello, fellow monster, yes. But does he um, try to help her with her goal? I like, give her an actual goal, maybe he offers to try and help her. You know, yeah, or, or he tries to explain her that the work no longer uses monarchs that way, uh, for example, or for the most part, or stuff like that. I mean, because yeah. he has, if he has Hyde in him right now, which you don't need to show Hyde, but like if he has Hyde in him right now, he would be a lot more sympathetic towards another monster. Yeah, he, he is one, and so she could be. If you had it where maybe she's terrified of what she's become, she's a monster yeah. now, and yeah. she's yeah, but- in a new world. She doesn't know, and then when she's with Jekyll. She learns, oh, this there's something connected to my past. Maybe I can I still have a chance to fix what was wrong. Yeah, no, I'm and uh, I agree. And also uh, incoming and uh, spoiler for a book that it's actually more than hundred years old. This is a Jekyll who has been dealing with Hyde for a long time. It's a Jekyll who did not kill himself in Islam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I believe that this Jekyll, yes, will be way more sympathetic to someone in a similar situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm getting a little bit worked up because I think the world we're thinking of a better movie than whatever <laughs> we got. So it's frustrating. <laughs> that would be interesting. I'd be interested if the two main characters was the mummy and Jekyll. Yeah. Instead of building this Tom Cruise character who I had no idea who the hey that was supposed to be. Oh yeah. And the <sighs> Egyptologist lady with no personality and uh all these other characters and introducing Hyde I'm like just have a story between her and Jekyll because unless you're a complete idiot you know Jekyll has Hyde. Or will have Hyde if he doesn't already. Yeah. You know, you don't have to introduce Hyde. Just, this is Jekyll. We're all going, we know who that is. 
Yeah, everyone knows that Jekyll will eventually turn into Hyde at some point. Yeah, so it's like it's that would make happen. me yeah. that make me want to watch the next movie because then it's like, wait, I haven't seen Hyde yet. Oh, yeah, no. wait, what are they going to yeah. do when Hyde shows up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <sighs> sparks. I don't know. <laughs> yes. No, but you have stuff with all the sparks coming out of your head. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so oh. frustrating. It's hilarious. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so that, that that's one of the reasons why it's, like, it's just so like infuriating. Because like if you're going to bring in these these characters to try and establish a universe, first off, if you want to know more about these characters, go and watch the original Universal movies. Go read the books. Go you know yeah. do some research. Or if you just want to experience this version without the history of these characters, then just watch the story. But that was just something that really kind of drove me crazy with it. Yeah, understandably so, yes. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so we, we should probably move on. Um, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about mummies from other cultures, but before we do so, I want to bring up, while we're still in Egypt, I want to move around the world a little bit, but mm-hmm. while we're still in Egypt, let's discuss the mummy's curse. Yes. So I think we both need to get this movie off our chests. Oh, definitely. <laughs> just you wait. Okay, so this is there's another movie. This is not 2017 Mummy. This is good. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a better movie. I promise. It doesn't have a high rating on IMDb for some reason. I, I like okay. I'm gonna be biased during this part. I love this movie. Okay. I'm gonna be it's, completely biased. No, it, it is definitely entertaining. It it's a bit slow at parts, but I do love this film. Uh the film is Sphinx from uh 1981. Yes. Starring yeah. uh Leslie Ann Dawn and Franklin Jella. And uh it's based off a book I have not finished reading. I had a hard time getting through the book, but I love the film. It's one of those I kind of feel like the the movie's better. I haven't finished the book, so I honestly can't say that for sure. But it it doesn't feature a mummy in presence physically in the the movie. Yes. But it does feature a mummy's curse. And I kind of noticed that like the mummy's curse and the mummy are kind of, I don't know, to me, they come across more as two separate things. But they yeah, could be one yeah. and the same. I don't know. That's what I want to discuss. Yeah, exactly. This one. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, I just want to disclose that Finley has told me to watch this movie for a long while, and, and I haven't until... Recently, today. Re- re- yeah, fairly recently time, yeah. Uh, I was trying not to say that right before recording this, but yes. Um, <laughs> so I have the movie very fresh in my head, and uh, as Finley was saying, I at least I believe that uh, the mummy on its own and the mummy's curse, they are, of course, related in, mm-hmm. in, the, in a semantic way, but they both work in such different ways that mm-hmm. I believe they can easily be analyzed as two different entities. Because I, I like the way that, at least to me, Sphinx um, handles the curse. Because mm-hmm. the yeah. curse is kind of a it's it's kind of a multi curse. Because you have a curse from uh, a commoner guy in the first ten minutes of the movie. Yes, a young grave, a young grave robber. Yes, yeah, young grave robber. And then you have a, the curse from Menefta, who is the chief architect. Which was really funny. I was rewatching the movie today with my sister because she's she's a bigger Egypt nut than I am. She was just like, you know, Menefta is technically royalty, and I'm like, he is. He goes, yeah, he's Seti the first son, and he does rule Egypt at one point. And I'm like, wow, they left that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, I, 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 trivia. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, I, I, I guess it makes sense. The movie left that out. He's just an architect in the in the film, but uh, no. apparently. 
there was a uh, son of Seti the First, whose name was Benefta, who ruled Egypt at one point. Huh. Fun fact. Yeah, okay, because he, <laughs> Yeah, yes, but yeah, I, I mean, really, I mean, I guess this is also going back to fiction. I think that Menefta, at least in the little parts that he shows up, he never, he always calls uh, Seti the First as uh, his uh, monarch, never refers to him as his father. Yeah, so I think it could be someone with the same name. Doesn't necessarily need to be the same Menefta. Yeah, no, but of course. Yeah, but I think, I, yeah, I think it would have been cool though. I think that would have been a cool detail. But yeah, yeah. And so they have this thing where Menefta, he, uh, after getting cursed out by the tomb robber, he decides that he needs to reseal Tutankhamun's tomb, and he builds say the first tomb right under Tutankhamun's tomb, so it can't, it will never be found. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a safety guard and he he makes and it's kind of a mummy's curse it depends on how you want to translate it but he makes a note that he leaves in the tomb of Tutankhamun that says uh, that the location of say the first tomb he's going to take to his grave and no one's ever going to know anyone who finds it's basically going to take it to his grave and which sets up kind of a mummy's curse Yes, and on, on the topic of that, I think that something that we will uh, could elaborate on is that what exactly is the mummy's um, uh, curse in this movie? Because it's something that's very uh, that varies a lot in the different uh, different times it shows up in media. For example, sometimes it's a disease, sometimes it's a plague of insects, for example. But here, um, you were telling me that it would be like greed itself, kind of in a way. I think curse. it's like because to me, the, the curse to me personally. It mm-hmm. reminds me of like when you don't want someone to do something. The number one way to get someone to do something is to tell them don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't touch that. You know, if you tell a two year old don't touch that, they're gonna go touch it. Don't eat yeah, that. Yeah. They're gonna go eat it. You yeah, know. yeah. It's like the uh, don't press the red button, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, but what happens if I do it?" <laughs> yeah, you you, yeah. you build up that that desire to do it because oh, you're not supposed to do that, you know. And so I think with having the curse, um, it's like. No one can find this tomb. And everybody except for Ahmed, the one, one of the characters, mm-hmm. uh, has a greedy reason for wanting to find the tomb. You have this one guy who wants it because he wants to get stakes in the black market, underground black market trade. You have yes. the main character, Erica, who's Leslie Ann Warren. Uh, Dawn, sorry. <laughs> I know more movies mm-hmm. with Leslie Ann Warren than I do with Leslie Ann Dawn. Uh, <laughs> they're very oh, similar yeah, names. names. Yeah. Very similar names. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, all right. Yeah, I, I, I get confused too. It's yeah, uh, Erica, the main character, she wants to write a paper on this tomb. And so finding it is going to be one of the greatest, you know, archaeological finds. And also she's a woman in a predominantly manned field, yes. uh, which already puts a lot of pressure on her. And so she needs, she needs to succeed in order to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Because of course, due to the misogyny and stuff, if she doesn't prove herself there, and uh, she even explains it in the movie that mm-hmm. because of her gender, she's not going to be seen as equal as her so-called uh, peers. Mm-hmm. You know, which, which is a, you know, I mean, I'm a girl. I've I've seen both sides of it. I've had I've had people take me seriously, people not take me seriously. I've seen both sides, hmm. you know. So she's not entirely wrong, which is the sad part. Yeah. And you know, so she has to do something a great find. So she has a motive of greed, and the other characters have motives of greed, and that ends up destroying spoilers. Everybody in this movie, it, yeah, it yeah. doesn't technically have a happy ending. It has a satisfying ending, but not a happy yes. one. Oh yeah, no, the ending is definitely satisfying. I would say it's my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil part. it. Watch yeah, the movie it... for the ending. Watch it for the ending. 
yeah, it's it's a bit of a slow burner at, at the beginning, but mm-hmm. it gets very good, honestly. Uh, yeah, I will say that, for example, there is this slight spoiler. Uh, I will say that there is this very specific point of when her motives uh, start turning into more greedy ones. I really think that when he goes and visits the uh, old woman, mm-hmm. the one who has the shovel, that's when um, her motives go from, yeah, I need to prove myself, to a more, yes, I, I need this. I'm desiring this. Mm-hmm. The greediness kind of... And she's in complete denial the whole time. Yeah, exactly. That she's, yeah, because the woman tells her, you are just like everyone who comes to my country and digs holes. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm doing it for... I'm not doing it for selfish reasons. And she's like, yes, you are. Yeah, because that was... Um, <laughs> yeah, so in, in the movie, uh, Erica goes to the wife of the guy who found the papyrus scroll that Minefta left... Contained the curse. That contained the, a, mm-hmm. a curse of sorts. Yeah, the quotation marks... Because uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's one thing I love about Sphinx is that it's not a cut and dry curse. Yeah. Like you mentioned, like uh, usually curse is like a plague of locusts or something, or someone's dying, like everyone's dropping dead like flies or something like that. The curse is, in a lot of ways, greed. Yeah, it, it's way more ambiguous on that. It, they don't tell you outright that if it's a curse or not. But yeah, they leave it up to the viewer to decide. Yeah, which I think it's great, honestly. You know, and it, and I think yeah. it's a mix of both because I think that greed is a curse in on its own. So it mm-hmm. is kind of a curse, depending on how you want to look at it. And oh, yeah. yeah, so she goes to this woman because she she's um, she wants to know more about like you know where it is and stuff. She figures out and she does put it together and finds the tomb. Spoilers, and uh, <laughs> and at first it's like you're kind of happy about it. You're like she found it. You know, yay. Well, she didn't really technically grave robbers found it before she did, but congratulations, you found it after they did. <laughs> uh, and it has electricity already installed, so good for you. <laughs> but, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, actually, now that I think of it, I wonder why she didn't. I, I think she was like too blinded by the grid, you know, as uh as the boy at first says because she never stops to think wait a second isn't this like an ancient tomb why is there electricity here because clearly grave robbers have been here which means they they know where this is and someone could come back by any minute I yeah mean, granted it does help her f- figure out like where to find the one dude at the end of the movie because she puts two and two together and like oh i know where you're oh going. yeah yeah i know where he's gonna hide yeah yeah uh, I'm trying not to spoil the ending. I'm trying really hard. To oh spoil yeah, no, the yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah. trying my best. <laughs> if it. anyone spoils, I am editing it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'm my plan. It. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm just gonna cut right out. Anyway, but yeah, so she, uh, so when she finds the tomb, she, you, you can see the excitement on her face. You know, looking around, and it's Seti's tomb, which I think is interesting because the mummy that everyone's talking about is Menefta, but the tomb that's found is Seti's. Yeah, I think. I yeah, yeah. I, I believe it's Ceres. Yeah, uh-huh. and it's it's got this really cool thing where it's designed like the pyramids, sort of. And uh, she figures it out. She figures out where the tomb is because she looks at a picture of the, um, whose whose pyramid is it? It's um, I know this pharaoh's name. I know I totally know this pharaoh's name. What is the name? It must be somewhere in your brain. I honestly, it's, some, it's somewhere in my brain. Call. The the big the big pyramid at Giza. I, oh, what pharaoh is it? I know, I know the name of the pharaoh in that pyramid, uh, hmm. but it has two vaults. It has the king's vault and the queen's vault. Yes. And so she figures it out looking at that. She's like, oh, it's under uh, Tutankhamun's tomb. And so that's, that's, that's how she finds it. You, you see it throughout the movie. like they're put, And it's, it's actually, to me, it's, it's actually framed a lot like 
the the mummy movie from Boris Karloff, where it starts out very innocently. She just wants to do this paper on Menefta. And then it spirals snowball effects into basically getting a bunch of characters killed. Yeah, into this whole mishmash with the black market, romance, a possible curse. It's Yeah, possible. Like, you know, everything starts, you know, going to pot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, it starts out like, fairly innocent motivations soon turn very bad. And even she's guilty because she had every opportunity to leave it and she doesn't, she doesn't leave it at all. So she, she's kind of playing the role of the mummy in the movie. If you think about it, because she has a goal and she's not going to let anyone get in her way, but neither are the bad guys, which explains why at the end of the movie, what happens at the end of the movie has to happen because nobody is going to give this up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's a bit of a, um... I guess in a way, a bit of a self self fulfilling prophecy in a way. <laughs> that uh, I don't know. I it's, don't know what I wanted to mean by that. <laughs> it's like because because at the end of the movie, it's um you know the, the one character who's affected, not not Erica, the, another character. Uh, he didn't have a selfish desire for the tomb. Yeah, he he's... was dragged into it by his family. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. A, he, he's, a th- he's a third. He's he's a affected third party. Yeah. By their yeah, greed, he, his family's greed. Yeah, he's uh, like, you know, in a sense, he's kind of like the biggest victim of the curse. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in the quotation marks, curse, of course, in this sense, being uh, the biggest victim of the greed regarding mm-hmm. this tomb. And it's also, you know, kind of interesting how he's the one to actually put a stop to the madness, you know? Which is interesting because, like, the movie starts with grave, grave robbery. Yeah. And he is a descendant of, I don't think he's of that family but he's a descendant of a gray robbing family yeah and he has to put a stop to it i feel like we're spoiling something but still <laughs> i'm not um, saying which character i'm not saying which character i will not say names i yes, will not yep. say names no names here yeah you're no right. names. You're right. i will say the main character's name but i will not say his name uh even if he is my <laughs> even if he is my favorite character i'm not saying his name <laughs> <laughs> so but you know it it's uh it's kind of this like we have to stop the curse in order to stop the curse, we, we have to fix what was broken, basically. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing, because like with, with mummy curses, is that there is that weird supernatural, non-supernatural side to them, if that, if that makes any sense. Because it does, I mean, it, you do see these people starting to get affected by something, you know, oh, that keeps, yeah. them, it keeps them going. Yeah, yeah, no, they... Yeah, no, then there's definitely a change in, not in their goal, but in their drive. To accomplish mm-hmm. their goals, definitely there is like this. Uh, basically, like the drive each character has to like the reasons to why they want to achieve each of their goals becomes mm-hmm. basically uh, slightly more sick the more the time goes on. Mm-hmm. It becomes more selfish, more greedy. Every mm-hmm. time, more uh, every time less selfless. Mm-hmm. And it's so the uh, one character does a selfless act. For the most yeah. part, kind of. It's kind of it's kind of selfish and selfless at the same time. Yeah, it's it's a bit of both. Yeah. You know, but even Erica, like when she realizes all the damage that's been caused by this, you know, she's like, let's just leave everything. Yeah. Leave it as, as it is. But you it's, it's that moment, is that it's that point of no return moment. Yeah. You know, we've gone too far. Yeah, yeah. Literally, eventually when everything is done, she's like, okay, yeah, no. Yeah, she, she doesn't call it quits until after uh <laughs> the point of no return's been crossed. Yeah, after she has to face the actual consequences of what she was seeking. Yeah, of her actions. Of yeah, everyone's of her actions. actions. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that she as a character is uh, definitely well-developed. Um, she definitely goes through an evolution mm-hmm. uh, as a character. Because uh, at the beginning of the movie, she's also like very scared of all the things that are going on. And by mm-hmm. the end, she's just as uh, self-absorbed as everyone else. I kind of felt like with the whole like cursing affecting them, having very realistic people, it, it kept yeah. it even more ambiguous because you didn't have larger-than-life heroes. Yeah, yeah, I, I really love that about the movie. It was very grounded in that sense. Like every character felt, you know, as a person grounded in reality. Someone could be like, yeah, I, I can see someone be like that in the real world. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the movie that was like, yeah, that would never happen. It kind of left you in this that might could happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy enough to be entertaining, but not mm-hmm. crazy enough to be, you know, to take away the. Suspicion of this Tom Cruise falling out of an airplane. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's not it's not the that's whole pain. like over the top because that's one thing with the with the mummies, like the, the, the mummies tend to have powers of some sort. Yeah. Which I think is where the mummy's curse is kind of because mummy's curse, from what I understand, was developed from King Tut, or am I yeah. missing? No, no, uh, as far, King Tut. Uh, no, yeah, no, as far as I'm aware, uh at least a uh, popularity and the common conception of the mummy's curse does come from the opening of King uh, King Stutz uh, and close, sure. Entombment. Entombment, yes. Entombment, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I believe at least the, uh, that's correct, that the popular perception comes mostly from that, the opening of that specific tomb. Yeah, because like, I know it's like the curse usually translates to like the mummy having magical powers, like a vampire or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's that's one thing. Where it's like, okay, so does the curse need the mummy, or does the curse not need the mummy? Because if you think about it, like usually the mummy just sort of, in most movies with the mummies, uh, mm-hmm. the, the mummy just kind of sits there in the sarcophagus, and the curse goes and kills everybody. Uh, yeah, on the table of that, also in various movies, the mummy it's the curse on its own. The fact that it's back is the curse to the people, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I agree in the sense that um, yeah, the mummy is just chilling on its sarcophagus mm-hmm. uh, while the curse is done. I think because uh, I can say the curses in two ways as uh, the monster dweeb that I am. Yeah, I see it in these two ways. You have a curse that's uh, independent of the mummy, like for, I don't know, let's say it's a curse placed by an architect or by a grave digger to protect mm-hmm. the tomb so that no one else can find it. Mm-hmm. Or you also have one that's inherently, you know, related to the mummy as in it's uh, whether the mummy show, uh, walks around or not, it's uh, the mummy's influence on the world mm-hmm. regardless. I don't know, that's kind of how I see that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I agree with you on that. Because uh, I've noticed that like a lot of the mummy curse powers don't really play in because like Tutankhamen Commons was a fungus. Yeah. In the Brendan Fraser or the Tom Cruise, the mummy can do all these cool like magical things. I think that's the thing where, I think that's one of the reasons why I prefer Sphinx way yeah, handling uh, curses more than the Tom Cruise or even the Brendan Fraser because uh, a fungus that you don't know is that deadly it kind of does leave this whole like mysticism yeah thing but also like in Sphinx greed in a way is kind of this mysticism yeah it's kind of like this mythical force that you're not sure if it's if it's just you know the hand greed we humans have or it's being influenced into them yeah, you are you being forced to basically seal your own doom, or is this like, is it just um, you 
not being able yeah. to control yourself. Yeah, yeah. I I think that you know that those kind of struggles are just like they just really catch my eye. I I find them deeply interesting. Yeah, because um, you know, the Tom Cruise one didn't play with that. I mean, the mummy had powers, but it's like, is that just a power? What what is the difference between powers and a curse? Yeah, for a, yeah. For a mummy. Yeah, uh, at least from my point of view, I would say that it's um, on the sense that they are very different in the point that um, what they can influence, because of course, uh, a mummy usually has this ancient knowledge of like necromancy, ancient magic, incantations, whatever. They can do those things. But in, in the term of in the term of curse, curses are more of a metaphysical influence in a way. It's a, like an unspoken thing that happens. It's not something that you can per se see, but it's something that's shown through the mm -hmm. characters. Um, just being pretentious a lot once again. But I think mummies are kind of funny because like vampires have a power mythos. Yeah. Well, yeah. mummies don't have a power mythos. There's yeah. a whole the whole glass or glass turning to sand and sand turning into a giant face in London is referencing the Brendan Fraser film. But the Brendan Fraser film, from what I know, didn't do the sand face thing off of something else they just put that in their movie yeah it's not uh, an actual mummy mythos thing yeah i'm just trying to just not remember the scorpion king uh thing on <laughs> account the, the brand of fresher movies <laughs> it's just kind of an interesting thing with like the because the powers is like very much from the mummy doing something literally in uh like they mean to do harm in some way yeah well the curse is more of a before the mummy wakes up so like so does the mummy does the curse wake up the mummy Or is the curse put into effect after the mummy is awake? Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about that. And I think it also, that depends a lot on the curse, I guess. Because, I don't know, if the curse is something like, yeah, if the tomb of the pharaoh is invaded, he's going to hunt you down or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's going to make, that makes sense that the curse is going to wake up the mummy. But if it's something like, you're going to be blinded by grief and then perish by your own doom. It's that's not really connected to the mummy itself. So I don't know. It's very curious. Because the Boris Karloff one, the curse woke up the mummy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the scroll. Yeah, it did. Yeah, versus Sphinx, which is the curse kind of falls on whoever is dumb enough to go after this tomb. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just I, I think those are two very interesting approaches. But um, something that I want to say on the topic of uh, mummies and powers mm -hmm. in general. Because you know, well know that you know vampires have their mesmerism, hypnosis thing, they fly, shapeshift, mm -hmm. whatever. Mummies, I think that they work a lot in the sense that they are way more grounded. They work mm -hmm. a lot more on their wit, their intelligence, how gracious they are. Mm -hmm. And that having them be these big powerhouses that go throwing people off planes and <laughs> and I don't know, throwing scorpions out of their mouth. I think that's <laughs> doing them a disservice in a way. Yeah, because it's taking away like their uh, human intelligence. Yeah, yeah, it's taking away like the um, yeah the the humanity out of them. Or the human of them. I think I think if with with writing a mummy's curse, if you want to write a curse in with your mummy, it's kind of a is this a curse that wakes up the mummy and then it's out of the picture because the mummy's not awake, um, or is this a curse that comes into effect because of X Y Z reasons like sphinx someone is looking for the tomb therefore possible curse is enacted yeah so i think i think that's one thing like when because i think the mummy and the mummy's curse are kind of in their own weird way two different monsters of their own yeah no depending I, on I, how I, you work them 
Yeah, I think we both can agree on that. That this, besides that, they both kind of have like their same origin in a way. Uh, they do both of them work differently enough that you can just see them as two different things. So yeah, I agree. Definitely. Okay. All right. So now that we kind of covered that, let's spin the globe a little bit and let's discuss mummies that are not Egypt. Because yes. One, one, <laughs> one thing. Okay. So you brought this up when we were when we were prepping for the podcast. You brought up like you know other cultures have mummies. And I mm, mentioned yeah. that uh, to my sister because you no know, Egypt nut, so I brought it up to her, and she's yeah. like, "So she's like, so does that mean like you are guys thinking about doing like a whole universe where it's just a mummy universe because everywhere on the planet has mummies? You got swamp mummies, you got frozen mummies, you got desert mummies, you got cave mummies." She's like going off on all these. My, my sister's an archaeologist. Um, she's mm. going off on all these different types of mummies. She's like, "You got murdered mummies. You got mummies that." Uh, people died because they're stupid. You got like the sacrificial mummies. You got the preserved mummies. You got like she's like yeah yeah. With, with mummies, you, you got an endless. Uh, no, I mean the things that uh, I I agree with here. Of course, she's right with that. But I think that if you start doing things like that, uh, I mean at least standard analyzing things from that point of view. Mm-hmm. You can. You are eventually gonna start just going in loop. Like I know you have American zombies. You have a native American folklore zombies, you have um, the voodoo zombies, hoodoo zombies, and you can eventually... Chinese zombies. Chinese zombies, yeah. Uh, it's a vampire. A, 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 yeah, Arabian zombies like the ghoul, for example. You can, yeah, you can eventually do that with any culture. But the mm-hmm. thing is that I think that we can do with mummies is basically just expand them from just being exclusively from Egypt. Mm-hmm. Because as cool as they are, and as interesting as they are, I think that there's a lot of other like big ancient cultures that have mummies that could tell these stories just as in, just as interesting as mm-hmm. ones that come from Egypt. Worked out. <laughs> yeah, because because yeah. you brought up like or exchanging notes on it, you were talking about like, why people are not really aware of other culture uh, of mummies, you know, from like uh, South America, and yeah. I think a lot of it kind of boils down to um, first off. South America has a ton of different cultures, ancient cultures. Uh, so you had to pick a culture, first off. No, no, yeah, no, I agree. But the things okay, that sorry. I, yeah, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but no, you're, uh, no, you're good. Clarify me if I if I go off on the wrong tangent, please pull me back. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yes, yeah. just that, yeah, no. I mean, the things that South America, just like the U.S., uh, has a lot of different cultures, and so does the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You have the Arabic culture, the Egyptian culture, um, etc. And uh, the things that I believe that it's an issue that, of course, the most important countries with most resources are the ones who usually produce movies. So England, Europe, basically uh, America, at least in the term of movies. And since you know, in European, there was a lot of this love for uh, Orientalist mysticism. Mm-hmm. I brought back with the Egyptian stuff. And they were like, oh, what are these ancient relics and gold and stuff? And here we also have a lot of ancient cities filled with gold, like El Dorado, for example, mm-hmm. or the Lost City of Sea, or Machu Picchu, for example. That's mm-hmm. That one is actually a real city, um, <laughs> like the other ones that I mentioned. El Dorado is not real? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I'm sorry. I, I wish it was real. I mean, you know, there's this theory that it was real, but it was melted by the Spanish, which, you know, not surprised. Still disappointed, but uh, the, the point that I'm, that I'm getting is that, for example, you also here you 
uh, had these big empires, like, but were probably, I don't, I don't, I'm not an archaeologist, but you also had these big empires like the Inca, the Maya, mm-hmm. the Aztec. Mm-hmm. And the one I'm most uh, familiarized with is the Inca one, because the uh, one that basically was there before I, uh, the place where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, there they have the most uh, ancient mummies in the world and the ones that we have found. They are uh, so many thousand years older than the uh, Egyptians ones. And we know why they were made. They were made in such a different way. Their organs were not taken away mm-hmm. or uh, their skin was not covered in um, this um, parchment. They were made in such a different way. And for such different reasons, because um, at least in the popular culture, think mummies from Egypt are usually made post-mortem as some sort of, as as a ritual to prepare Mm -hmm. someone for their next life Mm -hmm. in the afterlife. But Mm -hmm. here, most uh, mummies were made out of a need for sacrifice as an offer to a god. So it's also that's uh, quite another interesting way to work out how uh, it could fit into a different method of storytelling. Because yeah, that one, you you need to. Because that one, you really need to like kind of different approach. The, oh yeah. The plot line. I think, I think there's two two things that kind of actually three things to be honest that okay, kind yeah, of like bring everyone to Egypt. One, it's something that I think majority of places have a familiarity and interest in because Egypt kind of has that draw, that over-romanticized and mysterified feel to it. Uh, The other thing is formula. You have Mm -hmm. a pretty straight-cut formula because it is, as we've discussed with motive, uh, it's picking up up where it left off. You you have a very clean-cut motive, which the Mummy 2017 completely ignored. And then you also have uh, another, another thing, which is political, because usually when movies are not made with certain places in mind is because there's either not a demand for it. You actually cannot make that film. Uh, a good example is, uh, I don't know if you remember the, the adventures of Tintin movie that came out in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, a lot of Tintin fans were, including myself, were very ticked off that it was the secret of the unicorn and not Tintin in Tibet because Tibet, that one is the most um, Yeah, favorite. the whole struggle with China. But yeah, because politics, yeah. Tintin Tibet cannot be made in this modern era. It's yeah, current, it's current it... political climate. So those, those are the three things I think mostly stand in the way. Because like, as you mentioned, places that have the most budget. Oh, yeah. No, the things that... Likely. So I think, no, that, I think yeah. those are three things. Personally. No, yeah, no, I, I, I can agree with that. Uh, I think like the only point that I really have a bit of contempt is okay. the uh, first one that you made. Because the things that, yeah, uh, Eve, of course, uh, it's a place with beautiful architecture, uh, filled with history and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's had years <laughs> of marketing. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is that it had year, years and years of marketing due yeah, to uh, a British imperialism. It's name recognition. Yeah, it's uh, basically. This whole image was built by these Orientalists mm-hmm. that were obsessed with yeah. Egypt and that uh, stole a lot of things from there. During the Egypt and craze during the turn of the century. And yeah, the, like, exactly. The yeah. And they that basically created that craze. And a lot of people, basically, what they think what Egypt is like is that. Mm-hmm. That they, for example, a lot of people think that the pyramids are just lost in the middle of the desert. While in reality, they have these cities literally at their side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that uh, basically the point that I'm trying to make okay. is that we, uh, 
mummies have so much potential and that we shouldn't just encase them in the Egyptian box, basically. That's all the point that I'm going to Yeah, that which, I'm trying which to is get a good to. point, which is a good point. I'm just I'm just putting that in those two in those three counters. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So now so now we're putting the counters, let's, let's go back to discussing. Uh, <laughs> I just want to I just want to bring up those three things. No, but yeah, no, I, I, I brought agree. up, they're gone. I, yeah. So it's like this <laughs> yeah. is kind of a, a brought up. We are acknowledging this, and now we're going to move on. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I hate it when like someone when I listen to a podcast and like someone does not acknowledge something. So I'm just acknowledging, so we can move, so we can put it to rest and move on. Yes. We've acknowledged this. <laughs> yes, we have. I okay, think so. Okay, <laughs> so back to uh, South American mummies. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about these guys. This is probably a very stupid question because I'm I'm on the same boat as you when it comes. So you're on the don't know much about Egypt boat. I'm on the know basically nothing about South American uh, cultures. And uh, so are all mummies in like the Incas, Aztecs, and uh, those guys? Are, are they all sacrificial mummies, okay. or are there any preserving of a loved one type thing? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm gonna at least right now just focus on the Inca mummies because that's the okay. one that I actually have knowledge on. Okay. Because the Aztecs, uh, they are from Mexico and they are very far away from me. So I honestly, <laughs> I don't want to attack with a lack of knowledge. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, so at least these ones, uh, okay. uh, at least uh, according to Inca Cosmovision, they were all sacrifices and rituals. But these rituals were made out of. Sadly, it's it's very sad, but they were made out of uh, out of love for the children because they knew that they wouldn't live a very good life in the middle of the desert. Mm-hmm. With a lot of uh, Inca tribes have very precarious life conditions, so we were like, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice my child so that they can become this beacon for the god and have a better pass in the afterlife. Okay. So it's uh it's very bittersweet because they sacrifice their children and hope to give them a better life. And it's it sounds kind of like an what's the word? Ironic. Yeah it's ironic. Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, yeah it's 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 sad. It's very ironic because uh they they were sacrificing them in the hope of yeah they'll be better off there. They this um for example um, something that's, I think it's, you know, it's kind of cruel, but it, it happened there. It was part of the culture. It was that, uh, and this, uh, they were usually young children and mm-hmm. they were uh, buried alive with very expensive clothing and jewelry and well fed. And they will basically, they will get the kids high with uh, chicha, which is a traditional drink here that mm-hmm. can get you kind of drunk. Uh, so they will give the kids that so that they can then bury them alive. In the middle of the sun, and it's—I think it's very—it's very sad. But I think that mm-hmm. it's also very interesting. With that way of doing burial in mind, what would you like to see from a film using the mummified bodies of children who've been sacrificed to basically give them a better? Yeah, I think I want to uh, say I think the right word is life, but I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the right uh, words. Yeah, same. Like it's like uh, I don't know. To uh, it's a prospect to a. Uh, Better afterlife, I guess. Uh, it, it it's a weird word to find, but um, sorry, you you were asking me. If it's a question, if I can say <laughs> words, uh, I think the whole concept has kind of muddled my brain because this is something I, I'm not used to thinking about. So, yeah, um, no, it's alright, it's alright. The brain's collapsing. It's like, what? Yeah. It's like, my okay. my as well. <laughs> yes, okay. we're but, on even ground here. But yeah, uh, so uh, as I also mentioned, like the Egyptian mummy is kind of a goal not accomplished, uh, expired goal motivation. What would be the motivation 
for a mummy movie where it, the mummy is children, most likely, who have been sacrificed yeah, uh, for I their you, greater gain. Yeah, I, I think you can take a lot of actually different angles. I don't know how. I don't know how much they will sell. I'm not a marketing person. Storytelling. How would you tell yeah. a story with that? Yeah, okay. For example, um, you can go the easy route, just like horror. These mm-hmm. are children who were made. So for example, uh, let's take an Inca god, uh, Ijapa. That's the god of lightning. That's a god that was known for being very vengeful because mm-hmm. lightning was uh, sometimes seen as a punishment of the gods because it will destroy things, ban things. Mm-hmm. They will give those children as beacons to the god so that the god will get satisfied. But imagine, you know, being a forgotten god and you say, okay, how can I make uh, my supposed people remember me? I'm going to send these kids that they sacrifice to me for blood. I don't know, for example. Okay. But in a more like sympathetic way, I was also thinking, try to put yourself <clears throat> in the place of those children. Mm-hmm. Your parents are telling you that they are going to give you a better life. They feed you well, they dress you in nice clothes, but then they proceed to bury you alive in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. if you were to wake up for any reason out of there what would you do with the knowledge that you're not in an afterlife what are you doing here what can i do what's your you're back on earth you've been reawoken back on earth yeah i'm back on earth but why to what purpose it's very existentialist in in that sense it's a a lot of how can i say this Uh, a very big feeling of being lost i would say would you have any any anger towards yeah and of course anger anger and you know of not understanding why your parents would have done that. Like betrayal example. of some sort? Yeah, of course. Because the people who were supposed to take care of me mm-hmm. buried me in the sand. Mm-hmm. And now I'm really angry. <laughs> because <laughs> of course you will be angry. Yeah. And now it's like several thousand years later, you know. So yeah. now you're, you're yeah. in a whole technically new world without leaving where you were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Living, basically waking up in a new world, angry, bitter to what mm-hmm. the, the people who are supposed to protect you did to you. Mm-hmm. And you get to this world to realize that just like you were to your family, you were forgotten by all the world. Okay. And you're going to make, and when, in your anger, you're going to find a way to make the world remember you. Which also really sucked being in today's day and age because I don't know if mummies age at all. Yeah, you're stuck I as wouldn't a kid, know. You're stuck as a kid <laughs> yeah. in today and age. No, that, which has that like would a, be awful. Yeah, that would be the absolute worst. You could not technically move on with your life. Yeah, you, you would have so to it, join something like a, an organization started by Jekyll. Yeah, yeah. You, you, couldn't yeah. Have a, you could not have a normal life if you were a child, if you're like seven yeah. or 12. Yeah, you will not get a job or something. It, it, it's basically an existential nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. I just, at least that's the approach that I most bring. Uh, that gets most of my attention. That's just how terrifying and angry mm-hmm. that will be, you know? So is that a horror for the non-dead characters or is that more of a horror for the resurrected dead character? I, I will say you can see it as a little bit of both, but at okay. least I'm seeing it more of in a in a more sympathetic light, in a more, mm-hmm. the horror comes from the existence of mm-hmm. these beings. Because stories have more than one character. No, so of I'm course, like, of course. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, to, to figure out, like, um, if you have a character in this situation, would you have to, w- would you try and do it more in, like, a the child is the antagonist or the people who discover the child is the antagonist or just life itself is the antagonist and there is no technically good or bad 
people. I, I honestly think that those three approaches are very good. <laughs> good, <laughs> good, good deal to a very good point. I think that, for example, <clears throat> these kids were never buried alone. They mm-hmm. were found very close together. And I believe there are conflicting reports. But some of them, for example, say that two, uh, it was two girls and one boy. Mm-hmm. The two girls were half sisters, so reports say, for example. Mm-hmm. So they, the kids knew each other mm-hmm. before they were buried. So I would be like, okay, let's say, for example, these two children, they wake up. It's the three of them. Mm-hmm. You can say that's the, okay, it's these three kids trying to make sense of all this anger and grief they have against this world, against this life. And they can be like, whoever discovered them and put them in a museum, basically, for display. They, they could be the antagonists, the archaeologists. Or you have three necessarily, different necessarily, ways. You have yeah. three different kids. You have three different ways of looking at the situation. You have the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, one kid more of the um, villainish antagonist. You have one kid who's a sympathetic, kind of more main character. And you have another kid who is, like, trying to... I don't know. You have to find something else for the third one, but, like... Yeah. I don't know who is... I don't know. Maybe you're going to have, like, the third kid be, like, it's... You know, it's a circumstance of life as strange as it is you know everyone that we could really yeah it's kind of kind of more accepting of what's going on in the Mm -hmm. sense that whoever is really at fault at whatever happened to us is already dead kind of way and then someone uh, unlike the traditional mommy who is like longing for something that they cannot fix someone who affects that okay maybe i should move on you know So you can have the know. you can have the drama between the kids themselves. Yeah, the three different reactions to the situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I, uh, I think that would be a very interesting approach. I, I wish someone wrote a book about that because I, I doubt <laughs> I will, but I wish someone would. <laughs> uh, it's it's tricky. It's it's a tricky like you know because you also have to you know yeah. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure out how would you. I'm really bad at writing children characters. I, I oh, do not yeah, have. No. Yeah, writing children is very tough. Definitely. Say in a way, dark topic, such as resurrection, for example. Mm-hmm. How a kid would react to that, it's basically random. It's impossible to know. <laughs> no, what do you do? Like, also, is the child like old enough to fully understand what's going on? Because you mentioned some of these children are like seven. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, for example, it's believed that, for example, like the oldest one was like between 12 and 13, and the other mm-hmm. ones were like six and seven. Uh-huh. So it's also you have a teenager and you have two little kids. So that's also a different like view right there. Yeah, so you have, you have these two little kids who can be very terrifying because they don't quite understand. Like these little yeah. kids are not, they are and they're not responsible for their actions because they don't understand. It's, a, it's that they're not responsible because they don't understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, their, their actions are still wrong, but because when you make a mistake out of ignorance, it's not as bad as making a mistake out of knowledge. Yeah, exactly. So they can cause complete chaos without realizing it because they're too young. And if their brains have no ability to grow and mature, they're basically stuck in that, you know. Yeah, in that step. Yeah, yeah. that state forever. Yeah, which is terrifying yeah. <laughs> now that I think of it. You know, that, that sounds very horroristic to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, for example, for example, on the topic of, you know, let's say a character is stuck as a child. I don't know if you are familiar with uh, Interview with a Vampire. No, I've heard of it, but I haven't, like, really okay. looked into it. Okay, uh, I think you should watch it more okay. for its uh, cultural value than anything. <laughs> you might have a laugh. It's hilarious. It's great. Okay. Um, yeah, and the things that, for example, uh, there's these uh, two vampires. They meet this little girl who is sick. Mm-hmm. Basically, both of the parents of the girl died, and one of the vampires is like, 
a bit of a how can I say this? He has a bit of a heart quotation marks in whatever sick way a vampire can be, you know. Mm-hmm. Can empathize. Yeah. yeah, be empathetic. So uh, he turns again into a vampire. And then time passes and the, <clears throat> the girl or woman, basically she starts becoming frustrated and basically going mad because she is a woman, but she's stuck in the body of a eight-year-old. Okay. And basically hundreds of years go by and she's like, I can't live a normal life because I look like a child. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm hundreds of years old, my mind is really old. Mm-hmm. And she eventually starts kind of losing her mind. Until the juxtaposition uh, between her existence, uh, her bodily existence and her mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an issue with like the mind growing, but the body not growing. So would, it, would a child be able to learn from its mistakes if its mind doesn't mature? Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean... I doubt it, I guess. Uh, I'm not, a, I mean, I am a scientist, but not in that way. <laughs> I don't study the brain of children. So I, I wouldn't know. It's just that I think that there are so many possibilities, in, no, not just on South America. To go back a little bit on topic, not just on basically South America, just in so many, as your sister said, there are so many places in the world that have mummies in the Tibet mm-hmm. and stuff. There are so many different perspectives of how uh, stories regarding mummies could be told mm-hmm. that are just not taking advantage of because uh, we have uh, encapsulated, um, as you said, the archetype of the mummy in this golden, beautiful Egyptian cage that it's kind of hard to think outside of the box. That's. Well, I think also, I think part of it is we, we have it overly associated as a monster because I want them to yeah, in, in this, in this well, podcast. Yeah. We, we, it's the most humanized, the most human of the monsters. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's, really it's, it's just a person who, um, who has yeah. a second chance at life, but all they want is to reclaim a expired existence. Well, Egyptian, you know. And yeah, but like with the, like, see, I think it was the Incas. Yeah, uh, Incas, with, yeah. with the Incas, you know, with the idea of the children, it's like okay, so uh, as a writer, you would have to ask like. Is the mind growing up? Is, do these things have the ability to grow up, or do they have? Because yeah, if you know anything uh, about it, children, they 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 have to be taught and nourished to yeah, and, like helped along being adults. But if you have children who are under the age of accountability, which is eight, are they able to learn from their mistakes? I mean, the older one, twelve, I think could possibly because they'd have a more developed mind, but they're still yeah. an idiot. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, all, all kids are idiots, including anyone. I, mean, I, I passed childhood. Oh gosh, I'm past childhood. I'm so old. Um, <laughs> I passed childhood. I'm still an idiot, and so uh, it's like uh, I, I'm not very well acquainted with the um, how can I say this with the American educational grading system. But I will say that I passed childhood like with a D, so I'm not an expert. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like with an E, D, C, maybe yeah, C minus. Yeah, I, I, I passed childhood with like. Oh, like, maybe a C plus. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't the dumbest kid. I wasn't the dumbest kid, but yeah, no, I, I was uh, one of the most embarrassing kids. It wasn't stupid, yeah, but it was embarrassing. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I wasn't particularly dumb, but I was a very boring kid. You know, I'm not the most interesting man in the world or anything person in the world. But mm-hmm. uh, as yeah, so, you know, so, so, so there is so that, there's that human side of it because like if you're working with children. Yeah. You'd have to keep that. This is still a child. Yeah, yeah. Aspect, to, at least in my mind. 
No, I, I agree. Yeah, I think that will be a very important element to keep in the story. Yeah, it's not just a monster, as you said. A, a big, as we both have said, a very important of them. Uh, the creepy being... thing trying to kill you. It's uh, yes. you know, it's before doing the podcast. I watched a review. Um, have you ever heard of a YouTuber called Cinema Snob? I believe I have. Um, my, my sister I, loves I, this YouTuber. Oh, um, yeah, no, I, he, I watch a lot of uh, cinema-related channels. So yeah, I, and he, he covered a, a, a movie. Um, I don't remember the name of it. A South American mummy film. That was made in South America. I don't remember which part. Oh. And uh, it was really dumb. And I think, <laughs> part, I think the main thing that made it so stupid was huh? they followed the Egyptian formula of the Ugh. forbidden love. They get caught the guy gets mummified or what have you. And when he comes back, he doesn't come back to regain what he lost. He just starts killing the first people he sees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's and it turns into this mummy slasher film. And I'm just sitting there watching it. Like it's the same plot, but wow, is this dumb? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I think that, as you said, that's a big, big disservice to the topic of uh, the mummy being the most human monster of them all. Because if you're going to just, yeah, resurrect them to have them be murderous machines, mm-hmm. it's like, it, you're, you're making, you're resurrecting a human, not a yeah. Terminator. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because like, because yeah. vampires you get because they have to eat people to survive. Yeah, yeah. Vampires. They've lost uh, all their humanity. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're but, completely monster. Yeah, vampires are basically like beasts on a human disguise. Mm-hmm. Kind of. They're, they're the hunter, we're the prey. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the mummy doesn't have that. And so I, I've noticed the majority of mummy movies that, that do fail is taking away that human aspect, which is one of the reasons I was talking about the degradation of the mummy turning into yeah. this bandaged thing that chases you around the, the, the show. Yeah, but very Scooby Dooish. Yeah, like, like a Scooby Doo or a Flintstones or a yeah. Laurel and Hardy kind of a thing. Where it's <laughs> yes, like, yeah. I think is it Laurel and Hardy? I think there is a Laurel and Hardy meet the mummy. Is Probably, uh, I, I think there is a Nabot and Costello meets the mummy. Or is it Abra, I was I, yeah, I'm like um, I watch, I watch a lot more Laurel and Hardy, so uh, it's probably, yeah. I think it's yeah. I've actually seen that one. That one was actually it was funny and dumb at the same time. <laughs> uh, it's it's Abra and Costello. Yeah, it's it's gonna be stupid. But yeah, so it's like once you take away that human element of the mummy, you kind of lose a, a huge factor of it. Yeah. Like what makes it a distinctive monster? And I think that's where the um, Tom Cruise movie, the 2017 one, the Universal, whatever that was, Abomination. Yes, I think, uh, I think that's a that good right word for you. Is that the right word? Because she was not straightforward and clear and they did not humanize her. They, they made her, she was, she was this amazing, over-the-top amazing thing while... Boris Karloff's mummy, he was just a priest who was in yeah. love with the princess. Yeah, it's, no. uh, yeah, it, I like it because it's also a story that, like, the great majority of people can empathize with everyone, mm-hmm. uh, almost everyone falls in love. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, or also, love in some, at some point in their life or, yeah, you know. like, uh, even if it's romantic, it doesn't matter if it's romantic or platonic, everyone cares about someone. That's true. You know? So that's also something way easier to empathize than, yeah, love for power. someone. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because yeah, because the whole power thing, like, because they're like, oh, mummy, monster, therefore villain. But even as you've pointed out, Frankenstein's monster, for instance, it's in that mm-hmm. weird gray area where it's not entirely a villain. Yeah, you I... know, it's an intelligent creature that's been brought 
to life. Yeah. You know, it's not the greatest person on the planet, but it's not necessarily a I'm going to rule the world or at least my section of the world. Yeah, like, no one. It was more yeah. to him. Yeah, no, there's definitely more to him. Like in, in the book, it's a, lo- a lot of the, the monster attacks of his that if, you know, if, you know, in paraphrasing when the monster says, if my creator wouldn't have just left me there and treated me like a failure or monster the moment I was created, I would have probably never killed people. Yeah. I would have probably been a functioning member of society mm-hmm. if I was not immediately shunned as a monster, for example. Um, I don't know, a lot of it just... is how you're, how you're treated. Like a lot of it is true because, like, uh, yeah. like recently, like my dog had surgery and she had an eye taken out, mm-hmm. and yeah. she was very like when she first came back from the hospital, she had this very much "Oh my goodness, do you still love me?" attitude. Oh, I'm gonna cry. You know, and so I had to be very lovey to her because I'm like, no, I still love you. Don't be ridiculous. You lose an eye does not mean I don't lo- I love you any less. And so, you know, but now she's completely over it. You know, looking at her now. You wouldn't think she, you know, ever had that, you know, oh no, my mommy doesn't love me anymore mm. attitude. Uh, well, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. No. Uh, so, I really have a big soft spot for dogs. So yeah, well, yeah she, right she's here. my baby. She's my baby. I, I overly spoil her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> very spoiled baby. Very, very, very spoiled. But yeah, so it's like, so I think we're, that's where a lot of the monsters fall into, where it's like, you know, you, you know, like the Frankenstein monster falls into the, if I'd been treated differently, the story would have been very different. Uh, yeah. The mummy falls into a, if you can just detach yourself from what you were after and learn to accept what you've lost, the story would have ended very differently. Yeah. You know, or even Sphinx, for instance, where it's like, oh, you yeah, would like, definitely. go greed sooner. <laughs> yeah. If, if you have, if you'll have realized that what you were looking for was not worth it. <laughs> yeah. And you, you got a lot of people killed. Good for you, protagonist. Yeah. Yep. very proud of you you know <laughs> thank you for taking responsibility for your actions i appreciate yeah. that you know <laughs> it took a while <laughs> you, you finally you've crossed the point of no return but you did figure it out yes. you took forever but you did figure it out <laughs> better sooner than later right yeah um but yeah so like so it's that moment of like if you just something x y or z it would have been a very different outcome yeah yeah and, and, I, and I think that I think something like Dracula doesn't have that because Dracula is, I think he's probably one of the more monstrous. He's basically, by the time you meet him, he's lost that. He's past the point. No, yeah. He, he's past the point of return. And he uh, already basically, his humanity, he rejected it. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm this now and I will revel on it. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to own this evilness. And I mean, he doesn't see it as bad because it's just how he now lives. Yeah. So to him, this is not bad. I I am doing my thing. Deal with it. It's kind of like his attitude. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I think that's one thing that with with mummies is like whether it's Incas, Aztec, Egyptian is like these these are people who yeah. went to sleep one time and wake up in another time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's basically that. Um, as you said, I think something very important is that they are people. <laughs> they are not inherently monsters. They can become monstrous, like oh, yeah, definitely, did. yeah, like he did, or percent of mummies immediately, of <laughs> course, yes. I mean, is nothing stopping them from actually becoming monsters? I, I kind of think it's a disservice to start them out that way, because oh, even because yeah. even um, Menefta, he, he does uh, he he gives the tomb robbers basically what's coming to them, but he's never presented in a I'm an evil villain light. This is a I am an architect for the king. 
Yeah. You know, I'm going to do my job to the best of my abilities. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is really presented that in that light of I have a job and I will do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not presented as a villain. Like the, You have villains in the, the story. Yeah, no, yeah. Plenty. They're very, very humanized <laughs> villains. You know, they're very human villains. No one's after like the world or total domination or whatever. But, you know, so you have, you have, these, you have good realistic motivations and stakes. And I think that's one thing to consider with, with mummy characters. When you're doing a mummy curse or actual physical mummy story is I think it works best when you humanize. And I think that's where 2017 really missed the boat was they didn't humanize anybody. They didn't humanize Tom Cruise. They didn't humanize blank face girl quota chick. <laughs> they didn't humanize the mummy. They didn't humanize uh, Jekyll. They didn't humanize yeah. anybody. Even his friend wasn't technically humanized. Or anyone like I can't remember. I can't think of a yeah. single humanized character in that film. Yeah, I, I, I honestly like I wouldn't be able to tell you like besides Jekyll because I'm a simp. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't be able to. Te- I wouldn't be able to tell you a single name of a character in that movie because there are so many that are and everyone is simply glossed over. Like in mm-hmm. my in my mind, my brain is telling me to call like Tom Cruise character Jack because that's like just a random generic name that I'm pretty sure he could have had. Yeah, I I I just called him Tom Cruise. I didn't even realize he had a name. Yeah, uh, uh, he might not have one. I, I I know they said it. I know they said a name, but I was like, it's it's Tom Cruise. Like you 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 don't have a you don't deserve yeah. a character name. Just Tom yeah, Cruise. <laughs> I don't remember Girl Quota's name either. My sister and we literally just called her Girl Quota. Oh, boy. We were like, you have no personality. You're just here to be a girl. Now, now please leave. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. are embarrassing every female watching this movie. Please go. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, uh, oh, my God. Well, uh, on the topic of uh, universe, modern universal monster movies, uh, anyone who's listening to this, if you have the chance, I want to watch a way better movie. What's the Invisible Man, the modern one? That's actually pretty fun. I, I recommend it. Is that a universal uh, or is that just a movie no, with a name? No, it's it's probably universal. Okay. Yeah. It, it was maybe, I believe, in 2019, 2010. Yeah, it was like, it's very recent. It was recent. <laughs> yeah, no, it, uh, I genuinely enjoyed it. I think it was pretty good. And it keeps a lot of the um, spirit of the original one, of the madness of the scientists and stuff and how evil he actually is for the sake of being evil so but yeah that's not the topic no. so <laughs> yes. yeah so good movie recommendation <laughs> i'm sorry but, so my, my question to you is that okay you are a writer right mm-hmm. yeah i wanted so, i'm trying <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's the spirit i mean the mummies um uh, as far as uh, Regardless that I think that there are a lot of other ways to tell them and to explain them. How would you come, like, how would you present a story of a mummy? Like, would you go the Boris Karloff way? Would you go the Tom Cruise way, which I doubt? How, how would you try to come around a story like that? Uh, it, it would honestly depend on what I was going for. Like, mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, it's like, it really depends on like, what the, the motivation of the mummy is and... I mean, knowing me, I probably would default and do Egypt mainly because I'm a sucker. Uh, it's fine. That's perfectly okay. Yeah. You know, um, I would not say no to uh, a mummy from another place. Uh, the kid one kind of, I don't know. I kind of want to think about that. It was an interesting, it, my brain's kind of playing with it. 
But I think hmm. uh, I think my first question would be, do I want to tell another story of the mummy being dragged down by their desire to fulfill something that can never come to pass? Or do I want to tell a story of a of realizing that this is like a futile desire and basically, you know, ending it? Because that's the one thing mm. I thought was interesting with them. I think it's one of the reasons I like Sphinx so much is that it does it does have the characters kind of come to this realization. Yeah, it has this um, finality to it. You know, you know it, it it's such it's such a it's such a bittersweet ending that oh, it, you, yeah. you, you know you know the happy ending would ruin it. If you want the happy ending, but you know that you would feel gypped if you had the happy ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I know this is gonna sound super cheesy, but I'm a big fan of the cheese. Uh, <laughs> but you know, in in a way, we the spectators are kind of like the mummies because we're longing for something that we know it's not gonna happen. Can't have, yeah. It, it kind yeah. of like, it turns us into the mummy. Like <laughs> yeah. I want the happy ending, but I can't have this. And then you realize I would be total. Actually, I would be very. I'd hate this movie. Yeah, if it had a actually, happy ending. Yeah, honestly, I think that it will really ruin like the last forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, because you have that really good build up, and then that payoff yeah. is just. It was no, it's, it's good. It's really good. It, it's, it's really, really good. good. I recommend this movie yeah. highly, highly. Don't watch the 2017 Tom Cruise movie. Watch Sphinx. If you need a good yeah. mummy film, watch Sphinx. Yeah, it, bit, it, it does have some slow bits. I will warn oh, you. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It, it has some slow bits and some rough edges. Yeah, it, it, I, I believe it's worth. It's definitely. It's an enjoyably kind of campy movie at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and it has some. Uh, some very campy jokes that are fun. But it was filmed in Egypt on location. So that is definitely props. And it does have the Cairo Museum. And it does feature team, uh, Tutankhamun's treasure. Yeah, I, so, I was like, the tomb. surprised by that. Also, yeah. the tomb that they go into, the uh-huh, Tutankhamun's yeah. and Setis, those yeah. are the real tombs. Wow. <laughs> my, my sister did some research for me. And she found out that what those that scene when the two main characters are in the tombs, Mm-hmm. talking yeah. to each other those are the actual tombs just yeah it's just that i mean everything looks so well made that i was like before you told me that i thought um okay yeah they, those are probably some like very well made props or something but the fact that it's the actual real thing mm-hmm. it's just mind-blowing to me in a way. you know you know for a movie that has such a low rating it's got some amazing set pieces in it. and it's a really, oh yeah I, I love this film I've seen it, it so many times. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I I think that it also has like very nice uh, camera work, very nice cinematography. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely dated, but I think that it's pretty it's, nice. It's a well. very date. It, it's very eighties. It's a very eighties film. Yeah, uh, it's like um, no, sorry, go ahead. But yeah, so I I think to try to answer your question, mm-hmm. to approach like the mummy, I definitely need to be like, is this a, uh, yeah, we we beat the mummy from doing without the mummy from doing whatever it wanted to do or is this a bittersweet ending of the mummy kind of realizing i can't have this i think would be my first question is mm. what what is the payoff yeah, to yeah. to this mummy and is it better to have the mummy or the curse because as i think we kind of clarified is like the curse and the mummy can be two separate things yes one thought i did i, I kind of want to ask you this Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Would it make a mummy too much like a vampire if you had the mummy wake up years before the actual movie took place? Like, let's say the mummy woke up in, like, it got mummified and buried in Egypt during the mm-hmm. 
Egyptian Empire. Uh, and then it woke up, uh-huh. let's say, during Napoleon Bonaparte, when Napoleon was in Egypt. Yeah. And then it's been it's been awake and alive, hanging out. And then you have a movie that takes place in like the turn of the century or like 20th century or 21st century. Would that make the mummy too much like a vampire um, at that point and ruin know. a lot of the mummy's appeal? Or would that still keep it within the mummy's um, uh, facade? I, uh, at least, like, I think that, I mean, I always say this, that, oh, yeah, I think it's an interesting approach because, yes. But I think that it wouldn't, just in the sense that basically their abilities and limitations are very different. Because a mummy is still, like, a, a mummy can still be a part of society. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. a vampire is a predator of humanity. Mm-hmm. So a vampire will always have this separation between us, the living, in the sense that a vampire is there to hunt us, to drink our blood, and they have this beast within them that's paying them for mm-hmm. this blood. Meanwhile, uh, how can I say this? Um, a mummy could have a way more methodical approach. They don't have this need to consume or anything. They only have this desire that if they want, they could take millennia to work on. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think uh, having a mummy like wake up way earlier will really ruin like its stick. But what do you think about that? Because well, like the Boris Karloff one, I believe he's been alive and hanging out for like 10 years. Yeah, I think it's like six, 10 years. Six. Yeah, um, he became Arath Bay. Something uh, like he was woke up in the 20s and then the actual movie takes place in the 30s. Yeah. I don't remember like exactly which part of the twenties and thirties. So I don't remember if it was like six or ten years. But like he's been he's been walking around for a while. While yeah. the Tom Cruise one didn't give their mummy a chance. Yeah, she immediately showed up and yeah, Jekka is sending the swats and, and she's caused she's wreaking havoc. It's not like the the mummy uh-huh. is a threat. Like and it also like I, I was kind of thinking like would the mummy be a threat or by being alive that long would the mummy start realizing there are greater threats than me and start protecting people? Yeah, that's actually interesting. Yeah, I actually, yeah, that's true because it's like, you're someone who has literally, who has lived a lot, who has probably seen almost everything happen. Mm-hmm. You will be aware that there are things more terrible than you. And then, yeah. you, and then you will be the one with the power to stop them. Yeah, so it's like, you know, because that's one thing I, was, I, I keep wondering about because, you know, especially like in this discussion, it's like when you have this humanized creature that you could have the the mummy like okay let, let, hypothetically yes. like if you had the mummy in Jekyll and Hyde in the same universe would the mummy not like would there be a problem between the mummy and Jekyll and Hyde because the mummy figures out about Hyde and sees Hyde as a threat while Jekyll sees the mummy as a threat yeah that that will definitely lead to a conflict with, between you know, both or maybe of them. Yeah. maybe maybe Jekyll um is like you know, this this mummy person is a cool dude. Like, I'm okay with him, but Hyde is scared of him. So Hyde wants to destroy the mummy. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, yeah, for example, you know, yeah, I can see that. For example, Hyde could be, like, scared of the mummy because the mummy could actually, you know, convince Jekyll to get rid of Hyde for real. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the reasons of... Here I go, in. One of the reasons of why uh, Jekyll can't really get rid of Hyde mm-hmm. because uh, Hyde is what Jekyll truly wants. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, the mummy is like the, I don't know, could, for example, with all the experience that it has, actually help Jekyll. Or try know, to help Jekyll. Like, or try to help Jekyll. That, that'd be yeah. interesting. Like, maybe they build a, a friendship with each other and the mummy wants to to help Jekyll, but Hyde is so consuming. Yeah. 
And the worst part is Jekyll's the more squishy, soft one. You know, do you do you kill Jekyll in order to get to hide, or do you wait till he's turned into hide? Yeah, because I mean the things that uh, yeah, this is that you kill one of them, you kill both. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, it, it's it's a very tough choice. Yeah, it's so I'm just once again thinking like I will read a comic book about this, like for sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> Shame. You know, you know so it's like because like you have these you have these dynamics between the monsters. Yeah. You know, so like I'm just, I'm just you know thinking like if you had it where the the first story is the mummy comes back wants the girl, but then realizes I am destroying someone else's life. You you've moved on. We're not a thing anymore. Yeah. And so now it's like, what do I live for? And then it like during all of this, it realizes there are other monsters. There are real monsters out there. I'm I'm just a resurrected person. There yeah. are actual monsters out there. And so it decides to become kind of a monster hunter. And in doing so, it runs into Jekyll and Hyde. It doesn't like Hyde, but it, over time, it and Jekyll maybe form a friendship. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like this brainstorming, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I might write it down somewhere because I'm really enjoying it. But you know, give some of your writer friends or something, you know. like um, <laughs> yeah. Everyone listening to this, this is, this is free brainstorming. Yeah, right? th- this is free real estate. Go ahead. Please yeah, free real estate. Me up. These these <laughs> characters are public domain, kind of. As long as you don't go by the universal rules and characters. Yeah. The concepts you're, you're good are, to go. Yeah. The, the concepts are public domain. Yeah. It doesn't need to be an Egyptian mummy. It could be a mummy from anywhere. Literally anywhere. Yes. It could be an ice mummy. You know, <laughs> it, it, it could be anything. You know, it could yeah. be Aztec or Inca or you know, pick a mummy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything. Yes. Uh, you know, and the, mm-hmm. And it, and it's you know free reign because it's not universal because Universal still owns the rights to the actual mummy. Yeah, the yeah that uh, they're mummy. Why you why you do this? But yes, that's true. <laughs> um, yes. Um, one last thing that I'd like to say, you know, that okay. I think it's important that you have brought up with the thing of the mummy is that uh, story wise, is that uh, you know I don't think that also I I, w- I want to know what you think about this because mummies non. I mean, it doesn't matter if the goal is realistic or unrealistic in mm-hmm. uh, in what we think logi- uh, what would be logically achievable. Mm-hmm. But in the sense is that is the goal uh, achievable or not for the mummy? For example, the Boris Kalov one, uh, he could actually, if he wasn't stopped, he would have gotten his wife back. Mm-hmm. But there are some mummies who have like goals who are literally unachievable. So you also have like that dichotomy there. Between like letting go of something that I can actually achieve because I know it's wrong, mm-hmm. or just accepting that it's something impossible. So you also have like those two things. I think it's stronger to let go of something that you could you could have. No, I, I yeah, I, I agree. That, that's, that's, that's just yeah. me. No, no, I, I at least I personally yeah. agree. It's just I, I wanted to know which one you like more because I, I find both interesting, but I, I agree with you. I think that you know, letting go of something that you can actually acquire. It's. I think it has more weight to it. Well, it's an actual sacrifice if it's something you could have, because that's that's what sacrificing is. It's sacrificing yeah. what you either have or could have. I mean, it, it. Which kind of. Which one of the reasons why I think Sphinx has such a good ending is because the one character does realize in order to stop all this, we got to reseal the tomb. Yeah. No. I, uh, honestly, yeah. I'm a big fan of of how everything just backpedals back to Sphinx. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really no. I'm being honest. I really enjoy. It. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a very underappreciated show. Very, in my opinion, very underappreciated. It, you know, it, it has such a such a good punch. I guess is a way to say. 
point. Yeah, it's got, it makes its point, and it, it makes its point very, very well. And so I think like having that sacrifice in in Sphinx, which I mean, I, I love the Boris Karloff mummy, but I feel like Sphinx has the more one memorable ending and two more impactful ending because the Boris Karloff one is we defeated the bad guy or yeah. the antagonist. Yeah, you know, it's like well, the the Sphinx one is we got to end this. Yeah, it's yeah, curse. it's like and yeah, we, marks. yeah, it's like we have to. I agree. The things, um, one of the things, I mean, I, I like this because uh, I'm a sucker for old monster movies. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, 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 that's basically, yeah, that's basically how I got here. So uh, <laughs> I loan it. Uh, <laughs> basically, said, you know, there's this show that the monster always dies in the end. Mm-hmm. You know, whether good or bad, the monster always dies. But uh, I agree that I, I find that the ending of Sphinx is more impactful with this whole thing of we have to put an end to this madness somehow. Mm-hmm. no way yeah we can't win like we you know we passed the the win point yeah yeah <laughs> we, we passed the happy ending a long time ago <laughs> yeah yeah like the, the happy ending is not an option here <laughs> yeah we we, we 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 missed it <laughs> <laughs> and the movie owns it which is a, a, something you can't say for a lot of films nowadays oh yeah yeah uh, a lot of films nowadays like backpedal on They're like oh basically. no wait we have to have the happy ending it's like no you could you have to have the right ending. Yeah. You, That's another thing. Yeah. You have to have an ending that feels satisfying, not mm-hmm. just happy to get a ship satisfaction, I guess. But you're the writer yeah. here. So uh, yeah, I mean that's one of the that's one of the yeah, that's a huge debate with writers, is like the ending. And I, and I think with the mummy with mummies, particularly because it is a person, it's either they cause their own downfall like Boris Karloff or the curse has, you know, I, I think mummy, I think mummy stories usually have a very sad ending. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's you know, usually have very tragic endings, you know, cause I even think, I even think if you did the idea of the mummy realizing that taking this girl's life would, is a bad idea. Like in the rewrite I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, that's still a sad yeah. ending. Cause that's, that's a sacrificial ending of the mummy giving up what he wants and sparing the girl's life so she can go off and marry someone else. That's still a sad yeah. ending. Oh yeah. For him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's a morally good ending, but still sucks for him, I guess. <laughs> Cause you're back yeah. you have a second chance and you, you choose to let go. That's still yeah. a sad ending. And, or even like if the mummy does the Boris Karloff route, it's still kind of a sad ending. Cause it's like, they just wanted what they couldn't have. It's still kind of sad. Yeah. So I think with, with the mummy character, it, you can't fully, cause it's a happy ending in terms of the heroes lived in the Universal movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think in a lot of ways, the the mummy is a very, I think, tragic monster. Mm. You know, when you think about it, whether it no, no no matter which country or continent you take it from, I think it's still a very tragic monster, and oh, I think it should uh, yeah. be held to that. Yeah, no, I I agree definitely. Yes. So yeah. Uh, on the um, uh, topic of tragic, I actually was thinking that uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure if we del- um, dwell a little bit on this. That yeah, you have the mummy and the curse of the mummy, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know if you have discussed like how the curse on its own affects the mummy on itself. Because I don't know, let's say for example, yeah, that the mummy gives up what uh, it wants, but uh, there is still this curse. That it that it has to fulfill, for example, that he still has to hunt the people who broke his tomb, for example, mm-hmm. even though he has made peace with it, peace with it, but the curse is 
making him do it. I don't know. I just that'd be actually that'd be kind of interesting. If, like you have them, you have them. Let me give up the goal, and then the other person be like, "Well, so what's the point of being around? Basically, you you lost, you lost out. You you gave it up." And the mummy could be like, "Well, opening my tomb released X Y Z curse." Yeah, I'm going to stick around until I know that curse is no longer effective. Yeah, you know, and so you got so that that would give the mummy a new goal. Because I think I think the mummy is I think a, a mummy is as good as the mummy's goal or motive. Yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, I think it's a character whose motivation is, as you say, it's one of its most important quali- important qualities. Because the vampire, it's very simple: eat person, see person, eat person. Yeah, eat, eat person, eat person, eat person, be lavish, eat person. You know, we we take like a whole thing to break down the Frankenstein monster's goal, but like I th- I think like mummies at least you can give them a different goal. Yeah. Like they, they are open to goals, but again, it goes back to, these are people yeah. who desire something that a normal person would want. And, and again, I think, I really think that's where a lot of the 2017 mummy really, really missed out was humifying uh, and making these characters relatable and human to the audience, because that, I think that's the mummy's biggest benefit. Yeah is its strength. Its, it's strength as a character is its goal and motivation. Yeah. Uh, unlike uh, all the other popular um, universal monsters, they really don't have a path to written mm-hmm. because they don't, uh, at least in popular culture, they don't have like this, uh, like a really strong stick, like Frankenstein is most, the Frankenstein monster, I think, and its creator, Jekyll and Hyde. They don't have a defined mythos. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing exactly. concrete about them. It could be yeah. any mummy, like like you said, any mummy from anywhere. Yeah, there's sort of the free range, as you were saying. But it's a free range monster. <laughs> yeah, uh, I organic think that's... monster. <laughs> yes, <laughs> gluten free. Yes, uh, I think it's. I think that's one of its uh, best qualities, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that's the appeal of the mummy. Mm. No matter where it's from, I think that's. I think that's the appeal, and I think Egypt is more of a um, go-to default setting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people don't really think about, like you mentioned, a lot of people don't really think about uh, other culture uh, mummies. And the movies I have seen from other cultures are usually very, very stupid. Because I think they, like the oh, 2017 yeah. movie, missed the, the boat on the uh, oh. mummies are mummies need a motive. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I just want to, um, I just want to, you know, say that I'm not saying, yes, we must do mummy movies from South America and stuff. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, the mummy as a concept is so free range mm-hmm. that I don't know. There are all these other possibilities to be explored. You can still go to Egypt and make up an awesome mummy movie, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, just just take a look to the side and see maybe you can find something that you may like a bit more. I don't know. Dear writers, keep 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 your mind open. Kind of the you know, don't don't settle for the the default <laughs> settings yet. Just yes, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that. That's kind yeah, of what I'm going to. Yeah, use. it's it's it, no, it's a good point. Like, it's a good point. It's uh, you know, especially with everyone being like, we we need to open up and be and tell more stories. It's like you know, a lot of stuff that's coming out now is very default, and you're sitting there like, wait, I thought we were supposed to, <laughs> yeah, know, bring yeah. some new voices to the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the mummy is a character you can do that with because vampires, no matter what country you bring them from they do have a mythos they do have roles they do have limitations mummies i think we pretty much established are fairly free reign open to however you want to interpret them they have their own because vampires you're kind of stuck with the 
mainly European area yeah. vampire for a very good cohesive story. Uh, the Chinese vampire is, to me, hilarious, but I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I, sorry. I'm not, I'm not very... I'm not... Uh, I, I know of its existence because my brother has told me about it, but I'm not very well acquainted with its mythos. It jumps. The, the, the Chinese vampire hops, and it's funny. It's unnerving <laughs> and hilarious at the exact same time. And we should. We, uh, we I think that's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of terrifying. It's, it's, so, <laughs> it's that moment where you're laughing, but you're scared. You know, because, like, <laughs> you're, you, you, you basically you had to decide if you want to grab the nearest dog or hide behind your chair. <laughs> like I'm gonna die. I don't know if I'm gonna die from laughing or die from being scared, but it, it's a it, it's a strange phenomenon watching a Chinese vampire movie. That that's a strange feeling. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm gonna definitely do some research into that. So the I think it's I think it's called Mr. Vampire. Check that one out. That's a good one. Oh, oh, I mean that's that name is very enticing. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's called that. I don't remember the actual title. If I find it, I will I will email it to you. Okay, but, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but yeah so uh yes um is there anything else we need to cover before we wrap this up uh, at least personally i think that's all i wanted to cover regarding this topic. i think we did pretty a pretty in-depth job hopefully yeah hopefully yeah <laughs> hopefully it was i mean hopefully it wasn't too much rambling but i i i do think we we came up with some really interesting conversation here so, which, is, which is important because that is the point of this podcast is to open up new ideas and thoughts Mm-hmm. A brainstorm. Yeah, this is a free brainstorming session. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, take these ideas. But I don't care if you create this or not. Just you know, take them, do something with them. You know, like, mull it over because it's that, that. That's one thing. That's when. That's one of the reasons I really like doing these podcasts with you is because it. It's it's basically you know a lot of people ask me where do I come up with my ideas and I'm like I read books, I talk to people. You know, I try to learn new things and. Uh, a lot of people are like, how do you come up with your, your creatures, you know, mainly? And I'm just mm. like, or your type of characters. And yeah. this this is basically, I'm, and no, I'm so thankful I was able to find you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so very thankful. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm so, very thankful to be here. You know, so this, this is me trying to kind of explain how I come up with thoughts. I brainstorm and talk things out with people. Yeah, just bring a random person from the other hemisphere of the world and have them talk to you about monsters. Yeah, if that's what it takes. If that's yeah. what it takes, you know, <laughs> you do what it takes. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can live with that. Yeah. Yes, rain is coming back. Now the only question is, who should we do next? Should we take a break from monsters, or should we continue with the monsters until we run out of monsters? Oh, uh, that's that's a good question. I, I think we should discuss it definitely. Okay. But, you know, I'm so, always up for attacking monsters. So. Yes, definitely. Monsters are very important. Yes. But I think we should probably wrap this up uh, mm-hmm. again. Uh, Rain does Twitch streams. If uh, any of you are interested in, I don't really watch Twitch, so I don't know much about. It. It's like a drawing. Yeah, yeah, I thing. yeah, I usually talk the drawings, uh, discuss movies, books. Uh, they so if, you want, if you want to brainstorm with Rain on your own, you know, follow, oh, yeah. his, follow his drawing uh, Twitch channel. He does have a YouTube channel. I don't think you post that much. No, I, I, I really don't because um, um, how can I? Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, you know, who are listening to this can understand me. Uh, <laughs> I 
I know, I, at least I personally get very self-conscious uh, during the editing process. So, you know, when I'm live streaming, I don't have that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you talk very well, so take that for what it's worth. Yes, no, that's, that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so if you want to do a free brainstorming with, with Rain, you know, mm. I, I, I am a content, story content editor if you want to contact me. My email is in the description below. Uh, I do not have a Twitch. I'm sorry. I don't have a Twitch, so if you're interested in that, hit me up. Yes, the Twitch, I have an email, so... <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for coming back, and I look forward to the next time we meet. Yeah, no, likewise, very, I'm very thankful for you actually having me here again. I'm surprised. I'm very happy and thankful, so... Um, yeah, it's been really nice to be here again. Well, it's a pleasure. Alright, take care. Bye! Yeah, bye. <laughs>